Second Bananas is recorded on unceded indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. to write if i didn't write today i'm a failure as a writer which is bullshit but it's just like hard to escape that when you know you're writing yeah. and you're trying to write and, and be in a capitalist society that determines your value by what you output so like it's just yeah. like for me like i'm narrative. like well yeah totally i'm like well if i don't write because it's a travel day then at least i can get some reading and podcasts listen to or, or whatever right it's just like like i i used to have i i had this joke that i was like man you know how much i'd get done if i fell down a well <laughs> <laughs> well i can't do anything else i'm just stuck in this well yeah. might as well write my Magnum master work opus. while i'm dehydrating yeah, yeah. exactly because there's there also water in the bottom book of the deals well. yeah 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 exactly. so much time that's to work the, on your that's manuscript. the author that fell down a well he wrote that book in a well <laughs> <laughs> quick throw him a contract down the well. <laughs> we're down gonna need another well. one of these by next oh. fall perfect oh man all right it's been 30 minutes of recording you guys want to get this dang podcast started yeah let's do a podcast fired up welcome to second bananas the show about history's greatest garfunkels i'm joe hi i'm wes and i'm craig today we're talking about actually you know what before we get into today we're talking about how's everybody doing what's going on in wes and craig land i want to know inquiring minds want to know our audience wants to know it's a busy, busy land, Wes and Craig land. I mean, yeah, it has been busy. Separately. And also, you know, jointly. Right, with oppression. They're quite, quite busy, too, <laughs> on the whole. The destruction of the common not, good. Not presuming about the busyness of, of your world, Wes. But yeah. I think combined, the world's I never mean, been busier. Yeah, I think, well, I have never been busier, I don't think, with a... With an infant, with a baby child, and yeah, literally an additional human. Yeah, yeah, we got a a child that now I have to also look after in addition to my own needs. Nobody told me. Oh man, what a drag! Nobody told me that was. And I had trouble doing that in the first place. (laughs) I told you what childhood was like. My wife will attest. I you sat did. you down a you month did, before Joe. your baby you came, to, and I was like, "Listen, Wes, me. this is I, all of I my experience that I have as a non-parent about parenting." Right. <laughs> I have and watched I, several of my friends have children. Non-receptive. <laughs> and yeah, you were just like literally playing your switch, and you were like, "Whatever, man, you're just lame." And I was very hurt. happen, bro. Yeah. I'm not going to be like that, man. I'm going to be a cool dad. I'm not going to make my baby go to sleep. That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. That's an accurate statement. It was something along those lines, I remember. But also, yeah. now, as you know, Joe, I'm doing animatics at our job. Yes, so that's now right. I'm doing more work. My day is full of, of more work. Me and Joe work in animation, in case anyone didn't know. But so, yeah, well, Craig I'm busy works in animation on all too. fronts. He just doesn't work Craig at the does same work studios. in animation too. 
I just happen to work at a better studio. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, that's good. Anyway, so yeah, that's yeah. what's going on with us. We're going to try and tell you more about that sometimes if we feel like it. Maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Craig has, has brought forth a subject for today's podcast that I'm pretty excited about. I He's so excited. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. He sent uh, he sent this outline and I looked at it and I watched the little uh, A&E biography. Oh, and, nice. Uh, that was really good. I was like doing some legwork riveted when I, you know, probably should have been like cleaning my house or something, but I was just super into it. So, um, yeah, Craig, do you want to take it away and introduce our, our subject today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Um, so not not necessarily the most... Um, I guess, intuitive choice for me as a second banana. But I do feel like it's a really interesting story and absolutely a, a very fascinating woman. Um, yeah. Fascinating country, fascinating time in that fascinating country. Um, today's second banana is Eva Peron. Eva Peron. Is probably actually more famous than the person that she is technically the second banana too, which um, was her husband, Juan Perón, uh, who was the actual president of Argentina um, for several terms. But she was completely, I, I think she overshadowed him um, entirely. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and and like, like even when the people turned on him. His history. Yeah, and when the people turned on him, it seems like they didn't turn on her, which was like the craziest thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's such a such an interesting dynamic there. Um, and they kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously we're going to get into it, but... Um, yeah, sorry, I just spoiled the most important part. My but... most obvious, <laughs> it wasn't my most obvious <laughs> choice because it's a little bit of a milk toast kind of, you know, um, kind of bourgeois white woman... What are you big. talking about? The poor, <laughs> the poor loved her. Comes we'll insane, white. Famous. I wasn't. I didn't know she was she's, white. I was like, she's sort of like a, a sure like a like that. populist, fashy Diana in a way. Yeah, like Princess Diana. So it's like, you know, think, like kind of. I was just thinking, Not like really, obviously, but, I know she was portrayed by Madonna in the movie, and I was just like, okay, well, don't get much like, whiter than Madonna. Is, is this whitewashing yeah. of the of the person, or is this was she actually no. like this? Then watching no, there some are of the white stuff, I was just like, Latin American. She looks, uh, and she looks a lot like, especially when I see some of her side profile pictures. Like, okay, yeah, you kind of do have. A, yeah, they. Madonna it's not like look. they're not. They don't look identical, but they have a resemblance. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, you can see why she was cast in that, which I, I haven't actually seen that film. No, me uh, either. It's a good. It's a good lead like, into the, the intro, but why? Well, um, but yeah, I mean, Madonna, I think has Italian heritage. Um, and Argentine and as we all know South America is just the 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 Italy of of the Americas <laughs> right exactly but I mean Argentina is definitely uh, demographically probably the closest thing to the Italy of South America that you can find um, uh, between uh, I would say and I'm not an expert by any measure but between German and Italian um, and maybe like some English. Um, there's a lot of European 
uh, heritage and, in Argentina. And what would you say sure. caused all this German and Italian heritage? Yeah. What so, what event happened so, to bring all these Germans and Italians to to Argentina? That's what I'm curious they a, about. They had a big foreign exchange student program. Mm. Is what I mm. absolutely thought. absolutely <laughs> established no, it, it by, was, established yeah, by by <laughs> the Thule Society. <laughs> But by way of a brief intro, I mean, there's a lot of buildup that I kind of need to go over to understand the political context Yeah. Um, for for Juan and, and for Eva. But generally speaking, I mean, Argentina is a settler colony nation. Um, yes. The Europeans, the, the Spanish in specific, came and colonized and settled in Argentina. Um, there were, as part of like the African slave trade, there were a lot of Africans in Argentina initially um, when it was kind of initially framed as a country. Um, but along with the indigenous people who inhabited that part of the world before the Spaniards got there, um, the black Argentinians were kind of systematically removed from society, uh, genocided through various different measures. In Argentina's case, uh, they largely used uh, black citizens as like military conscripts and put them in battle against their neighbors so they could claim and conquer territory and then also put them in battle against the indigenous populations to clear out kind of the countryside so that they can do their colonial settler just thing. yeah you know white people but a lot of colored people on the front lines of colonial wars. yeah yeah it's yeah. like so every time a- we do an episode about like anywhere in like the americas we're like so to uh to frame this episode we're really gonna have to go back to the uh the the colonizing of the new world and the transatlantic slave trade it's like every single episode because it it really did just like form this entire continent and you can't escape it whether you like it or not and you should it echoes to today yeah absolutely right well, you know, like in like in Canada, the tensions and the dynamics and the outrageous um, inhumanity of what happened at that time echoes to today. And, you know, we feel the um, I don't know, I guess the, the spasms of that in in the current events that we experience. Right. In the movements and the uprisings and protests and civil unrest that we are living through. That this is where that all started, right? And it's hard to gloss that over. I mean, if you want to, you can, but, but I don't we think don't. that's what we want to do. Because we're not podcast. <laughs> so hence you get it every episode. Every episode. Um, just like, you should feel bad I need it. about this. It's fine. <laughs> you should case, feel bad about it, um, but not too bad. After after a lot of that initial um, genociding <laughs> and, and settling <laughs> took place. What a sentence. Um, after all that initial <laughs> genociding <laughs> but yes that's that's what happened um argentina in the early 1900s was emerging as an economic and cultural powerhouse it was ranked amongst the largest economies in the world at that time um and and was kind of deemed very european quote unquote from uh kind of the rest of the world looking to Europe, uh, at least uh, at least the rest of the colonial settler world, looking to Europe as like the motherland or whatever, mm. Argentina kind of embodied a lot of that Europe, um, outside of Europe kind of vibe. Mm. And it was becoming uh, Buenos Aires 
uh, the the capital city was becoming known as the Paris of Latin America Ooh. for its cosmopolitan uh, kind of refined culture and and the, just the population, the economic activity, and it was more or less an appendage of you know kind of the colonial apparatus. I can't wait for out. the sequel, Emily right. in Buenos Aires. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna clean up at the Golden Globes. Or it's they're gonna have to change right. it. They're gonna have to change it because, like, apparently it's supposed to be Emily in Paris, and that's where you get the rhyme. So it'll have to be like Harris in Buenos Aires. I don't know. <laughs> uh, awesome! I can't wait for that. Yeah, me too. And this so wait, this uh, is all sort of at the turn of the. Is this? Mm, this is in 1800s, the early 1900s. Yeah, early 1900s. But yeah. so Argentina century. was settled it- in the like the the like. Like, had it been a country um, for a few hundred years by this point? Or was it sort of more like more recent? Not necessarily a few hundred years, but I would say maybe like late 1700s, early okay. 1800s. But I, I honestly didn't look that much further back because I didn't want to make it. <laughs> Someone <laughs> else can do it. But yeah. Not us. Um, not today. We got a lot to get through, folks. Stop asking questions. Yeah. Argentina is hot shit in the 20th century. Yeah. We're starting started. in 1900, and we're not going a year before that. Let's go. Yeah, nothing happened. Nothing happened. All that stuff that I said about the intro. The Just forget it. Just blank it from your mind. Yeah. Clock, clock starts ticking at 1900. Yeah. No, no genocide erasure. <laughs> Note the white man doing the genocide erasure. <laughs> Guilty. Well, the black man on the podcast stays strong. He will not let this happen. <laughs> Wes is just shaking his head at me. Cut this part out. No. <laughs> uh, so cattle and agricultural exports were abundant um, in Argentina at that time. Elite European and increasingly American interests are very well represented in public life via political institutions and media, despite decades-long struggles by working Argentines and their supporters against this imbalance. Um, which was increasingly evident in the poverty, inequality, and social unrest in the country. Which is like really um, important my... to this whole story. Oh, for sure. Like Absolutely. It's like deeply important. I needed, I needed to include a pretty big chunk of what the buildup was mm-hmm. uh, because leading into, you know, kind of Eva and, um, and Juan's moment or whatever, I guess Eva's moment in particular, but, and I guess Peronism, which is the yes. political ideology. Of Juan Peron, which is an interesting, yeah, thing something that sure. we should definitely spend a little bit yeah. time on because I have thoughts on it that are kind of interesting. But there's, so. yeah, there's, there's like a complexity, a, a unique complexity to to Latin American politics mm-hmm. that is fed into by its history, uh, by its demography, and um, just by, I guess, the uniqueness that is Latin America. Yeah, if you can lump together an entire continent, <laughs> as I have. Um, and still call it unique, but um, in any case, Two, by 1919, right, right? Two continents, if you're saying uh, Latin America. So you're you guys are you know doing well, <laughs> and by you guys I mean Latin, <laughs> I mean Central and South America. That wasn't like a uh-huh. dig on YouTube. Yeah. That was like meant oh, yeah. to be. Like I started making us being like, so you're all the same, and then I was like, that's gonna sound awful. <laughs> so I didn't. You're say all the that. same. But now I said that. So cut this all out, Wes. And Craig, please continue. He's not cutting this out. By 1919, the country is in the throes of historical change. 
uh, workers and activists are gaining new self-awareness and perspectives from such international milestones as World War I, um, the Bolshevik Revolution, and the growing influence of colonialism and global capital as dominated by European and American interests. Um, so on the backdrop of, uh, with that as a backdrop, what's, what's called the Sainz-Pena Law passes in 1912 with um, the prolonged efforts of middle and laboring classes to consolidate power amongst their communities through uh, parties and unions such as the uh, UCR, uh, UCR, Radical Civil Union. And these efforts were finally coming to fruition. Um, basically, what the Sainz Pena law did was um, was to codify universal male suffrage in Sweet. Argentina. Universal male suffering. Meant, yeah. <laughs> what a, what a revolutionary a thing to do in 1912. Yeah. <laughs> Previously, only property owning males could vote. Uh-huh. You know, so the alpha dogs. This was a, the best. Right. This was a step. And I feel yeah, like the ones who rose to the top through meritocracy. Argentina is yeah. like a very, very male kind of centric. Um, yes. Well, uh, it's got big so dick vibes. A, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a thing in, in, in Latino countries um, called machismo. It yes. is like very much a source of pride and identity for, as I understand it, for, um, for Latinos. Yeah. And it obviously pervades, it's basically just, uh, you know, paternalism that that pervades a lot of the different aspects of society um, beyond just dudes being mm-hmm. manly and doing doodly stuff. It's like it's like yeah, a, a dude's rock given given energy and 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 sort of like a political will just turning dudes oh, rock sure. into a full like on like thing. Dudes rock was a thing in Latin America before before it came to podcasting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so this, this step is finally taken after decades and decades of effort. Um, and really events that must have seemed apocalyptic from this era, um, cause ripples that would resonate through to modern Argentina and, and certainly to the rest of Latin America. Like universal um, male around- suffrage. That definitely must have seemed apocalyptic at the time. The poor can vote. It's like, well, not all the poor, just the male poor. The poor can vote. Uh, Not even all. Not even all the. It's not even all the poor people, man. It's like, yes, but it's it's too many. It's far too many. Only the white males, Mm -hmm. really. (laughs) So, again, we're talking about a half step here, Uh, barely a step. Could very easily be. It's like more of like a little hop. It's like hopping from one foot to the other, really. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Without moving forward at all. Um, Needless to say, the first quote-unquote radical president of Argentina, Juan Hipólito Irigoyen of the the UCR, of the Radical Civil Union, is... um, I like that they do that with acronyms. I like like languages that do that with acronyms. It's great. Yeah, so... Uh, so Juan was an alumna of the of various revolutionary movements and actions in previous decades in Argentina, including the 1905 revolution, uh, which he was a leading figure in. Um, he's elected to office in 1916, um, and he, really the the Sainz Pena law was was something that he had worked really hard on getting passed. 
Um, and once in office, he's, he wasn't really able to successfully push for any further reforms against the conservative establishment or the, um, or the oligarchs or whatever, the, the elites in the Senate. But, um, but you know, the white guys <laughs> at least had the vote. The, so so the, it would was, they have been called like criollos here? In this case, is that sort of like, does that exist in South America? I, I like, I think it existed in parts of South I'm America, sure. but that's more like I, specifically, or the like, like I, I wonder if it was sort of like that peninsulares versus like criollos, and then like all the other ones, uh, which I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar with those. But um, sort of like the elite would have been probably like the whiter, richer, more European people essentially. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and largely and largely and I don't want to generalize but largely in many uh Latin American countries that's still the case. Yeah, like a totally. lot of the people, a lot of the families that are originally from like the the well-footed, the well-heeled settler communities or families are still the ones that are owning all of the you know the main media outlets and own and own all of the main stuff which and, is nothing like you know, here in canada because... no nothing no not at, at all, all. <laughs> not at all the son of, the son of it's the not like it's not like the, the all the families that came over here from from england early on now own everything or anything like that <laughs> no exactly. completely different no, there's no dino there's no, no such thing as a dynasty <laughs> people don't own whole provinces yeah come canada. on that would be crazy canada's not a get rich quick scheme in country shape <laughs> anyway so irigoyen is um is president it it has like the signals of potentially being a step forward for argentine people on mass as opposed to just for the elites but ultimately the there, it's an irreconcilable situation. Uh, the nominal concession of state power to a popular worker-led radical political movement as kind of represented by Irigoyen, um, at least in name or in like reputation, if not in actual intent, <laughs> culminated huh. in what was called the, the tragic week, La Semana Tragica, which, um, which started with a general strike in Buenos Aires, and or in a neighborhood of Buenos Aires and then escalated into a mass protest, then a riot and finally a massacre and pogrom, which cool. included protesters, strikers, right wing paramilitary groups and military forces. Exactly so, the kind of order of events that you you, you want to hear. Things really heated up. <laughs> like started yeah. with, you know, it started with a protest, then a riot, then a massacre, then a pogrom. Like what? What? Excuse me. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Just like brutal. it's like Anyways, the that escalated very, very quickly brutal. meme, just like in like perfect succession. Yeah. Wow. A lot of people um a lot of people were killed, a lot of people were hurt, um, a lot of people were assaulted and raped. It was miserable. Um, all to kind of to put down um an uprising from the from the street, from the working population in, in Buenos Aires, uh, who thought they had the president on their side. But unfortunately, uh -huh. the president was was unwilling to stand up to the military and to the elite. Uh, the oh, conservative was he trying his best but... and constrained by the <laughs> system, man. 
Well, that's the thing. He largely kind of, it was largely concluded but, that he was just unwilling to stand up. Even if he wanted to, there. could, like, could, can you stand up to the military and stop them from doing these things and stop them from killing you in these situations? Well, this is not necessarily. Yeah. That's a really you, good point. Wes. You, you so, hit on a major theme it? of uh, of most Latin <laughs> right. American revolutions. Wes is like, yeah, so well, what do you do about the military? Well, you kind of just do what they want. <laughs> or yeah. you gotta have them on your side, saving mm-hmm. his skin, I guess. But yeah. yeah, but that's like something that comes back throughout this story. And like, I don't mean to like jump ahead or interrupt, but like, no, for sure, is like the closeness of like we saw this in. Um, in the Victor Hara episode as well is like the closeness of military and civilian politics in, in a lot of these Latin American countries is it is one of those things that really sets it apart from like North America, especially like as much as there's like a serious problem, like with like the military being involved in politics in, in the U S it's not like a military general being like the minister of agriculture or something like that. Right. Like you don't really no, have yeah, that problem the, in. The that, yeah, yeah the there's sort companies. of that nominal separation, <laughs> and they just make money through like private companies and the CIA instead. But like, yes, and guest and guest, and guest appearances on cable news on or whatever. <laughs> Pod Save America. We're really going to need to invade this country. Investing <laughs> just the missile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so Argentina's pains at growing into a republic um, to some degree responsive to its people's needs are just beginning. A few months later in the same year, 1919, Eva Perón was born in a rural town a few hours west of Buenos Aires. So this is the whole milieu, this is the whole kind of zeitgeist that she's being born into. Um, Born to immigrant parents in rural Buenos Aires province, Maria Eva Duarte grew up in a small city near her birthplace after her birth father left her family to return to his own legal family. Um, Wow. Papa Duarte was a successful rancher who had multiple families, which was totally an accepted thing for a successful rancher to do (laughs) at that time. So you see. Um, (laughs) Right. Um, But his largesse was not something that Eva and her family uh, her her mother and her siblings were able to benefit much from, and she grew up with very little. So um, what you're saying is he he didn't take care. I no, mean that's he that's that's really like that's the mark. That's how you know you've got a, a a you know a kind of a good dude in a way is if he takes care of his little uh, second family. Like it's just like yeah, I don't yeah. know, like having a having a mistress and getting her pregnant and then just being like, hey, bye, like. Fuck you, dude. Give him like give him something, you know. Send her a card. Really, you know, <laughs> some, some say that the that the the sign of a successful rancher is how many families he has. Mm-hmm. But I say the sign of a real successful rancher is how he treats even the most despised of those families. Oh, I thought you were going to say is, is how many families he's abandoned. <laughs> I mean, so by, by another measure, that could work too. Some yeah, of these like, families are probably pretty despicable. Yeah. So it's such, like, family it's such yeah. like a weird thing for like such a like, well, it's like, cause like th- they would have been all Catholic too, right? Like Catholicism would have been. I'm, I'm sure. Big yeah, here. It's largely. 
Catholic. So like, it's just, it's always fascinating when you see these kinds of things happening and like, and it, it does happen, especially in all these like deeply sort of religious, like fo- family focused countries is like, yeah, this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So her dad, uh, Papa, Papa Duarte passes away shortly, um, shortly after leaving. And Eva and her family go to the funeral and show up, even though they're not welcome. <gasps> necessarily. They're, cer- they're certainly not invited. That's harsh, but man. They are, they are let in to pay respects and then kind of briskly ushered out <laughs> because <laughs> his, his, his real family, his quote unquote real family or his legal family, um, you know, kind of resented that sucks <laughs> that's gotta suck for yeah. the number two family yeah, yeah for sure right? Right. so Eva and her siblings worked at local ranches to earn a modest living for the for the small family and with the support of one of her brothers in particular they eventually move into a larger family home convert that into a boarding house and boarding house. which they run and so they're and hustling hard gain some they're rising financial stability from it. yeah what, is, what goes on at a boarding house just people who Boarding. need to stay, who need who need room and board, <laughs> no, right? Come okay. And stay. I guess it's kind of like a toned down B and B. Okay. Maybe. Except right like on, it's right like on. cheap as fuck. Yeah, exactly. Or, I don't and mean you like could yeah. stay. You could right. probably stay a bit longer than a B and B would want you to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. like it's usually more for like um like travelers and like well yeah I guess it depends on the context but like. Mm-hmm. It's like people passing through or people looking for seasonal work maybe yeah. or okay. Work. Yeah. So you it's can stay like a work, hostel. Maybe, maybe pay off your stay with some labor type thing and maybe yeah. or probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in their case, they probably wouldn't want, they would want just money. Right. <laughs> yeah. It depends. But, but yeah. In, in kind can work too. Um, well, I'm and sure. like sort of like, yeah, like it's, it's like if a hostel was run like a B and B, I guess mm. kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Sort of. I feel right. you. So they're able to achieve some sort of degree of financial stability, but it is, you know, it's, it's pretty meager. Uh, they're definitely living a, a pretty low key life. Yeah. And Eva's mom is, is kind of okay with that. Uh, her plans for Eva included her being married off to a local bachelor and nice. Really nice not much else <laughs> the best you could hope for as uh yeah. imagine that's, uh, that's young, the good young argentinian thing. lady yeah. <laughs> yeah um eva on the other hand um had different ideas um as she was getting educated she got involved in school plays and took up other performance opportunities she increasingly oh. fancied herself a performer and had her eye on fame and glamour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, Got the know, showbiz local, bug. Yeah, yeah. her seeing, local setting. Seeing the Madonna the connection here. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Art imitating life. Um, so anyways, as a young adult, inspired by stories of visits to the capital of Buenos Aires, which is uh, with its marvels of architecture, abundance of culture and wealth, and so on, Eva decides to relocate and pursue her destiny in the public eye uh shortly after um becoming an adult she heads to buenos aires um and this occurs allegedly via one of three ways she either connects with a touring folk musician 
and goes to the capital, parting ways with him before too long after arriving in the city. Or she connects with a famous tango singer and hooks mm. up with him very scandalously oh. and re- relocates, also parting ways very shortly after that. Or she simply goes there with her mom <laughs> and gets set up with some relatives <laughs> in some temporary nah. accommodation. No, nah, I want door number two, Tango yeah, Singer. I, I want the, I want the spiciest storyline. I don't want to believe yeah. that story. Yeah, yeah, the spiciest storyline. Yeah, there's a lot of this in Eva's history, um, as we'll kind of come to understand. She definitely has like a mythology that, yeah. that builds up around her, and like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, kind of I definitely esoteric, feel that. Like, One of the things that I rem- like just know about her from the pop culture like references i've heard about her is like yes she did take on like a almost like a saint like or like a yeah a a religious uh yeah dude for sure there's like it like like images of her icons of her like surrounded by nuns stuff like that like it is it is truly um it's truly it's crazy that like I barely knew about this. Like I knew her name. I knew kind of who she was. I knew that Juan Perón was like this Argentinian dictator. I had no idea like what her whole deal was like mm-hmm. with oh, yeah. everything. She, she builds a, a proper cult of personality for sure. Yeah, big time. For sure. And, and you know, some of it is, I think is, I don't know. I don't want to say deserve because a cult is not something that anyone deserves. It's well, I deserve never not creepy. Hey. I, w- I would like <laughs> our listeners to start me a cult. Actually, we hey. can get on that, dude. But she blatantly, um, big like she bigged herself up. She was very, very, um, you know, tactically like savvy in in she was her she was the world's first influencer. That. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think I think it was part of her the way she spoke and could address like a crowd or just talk to people in conversation. It seems like she, anytime she spoke, she was like, uh, "You can help but pay attention to her" type thing. For sure, yeah. She she builds that gravitas, and uh, you know, she appeals to the people. She knows what people want to hear. Yeah, and totally. She, like she she hits all the notes. Well, right? and you you know this like from this time period is like think about what's happening around her. Like the Hollywood machine is in full effect and like clearly, and the you're even like European film too, to a certain extent, like this was sort of the golden age of Hollywood at the same time. And, and like, we kind of get into like, well, I guess we'll get mm-hmm. into that, but like right. her whole deal was like going for that starlet vibe and the self mythologizing was like such an important part of like the motion picture industry at this time that like, she really took those lessons like into yeah. politics with her. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And especially for somebody who came from so little, yes. who came from such a humble background. The number two family. It became, right, yeah. exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I mean, that just kind of sums it up, right? Um, and she's internalized this and then has committed herself to overcoming it um, yeah. through sheer like f- force of will, which is, you know, admirable. Yeah. So... Uh, however, she arrives uh, in Buenos Aires. She's there now, and she's ready to make her mark. It's 1934. She has minimal connections. She has barely any education. She has no experience to her name outside of being a ranch hand and working at the boarding house uh, back where she grew up. She has kind of nothing to lose, everything to gain, and um, and she's in Buenos Aires. 
Um, she dyes her hair blonde. The Paris of Argentina. Yeah. I don't think it was a permanent <laughs> dye job. I think she just continued to dye her hair <laughs> for Ooh. the rest of her life. Okay. Um, I love that that's and, part okay, of her myth, though, is that she figured out a way to permanently make herself blonde. Just like, <laughs> and I'm super Saiyan. <laughs> That's, I, I was, I'm glad you went there because I was going there. Yeah. I like how we're like Ava Perone, the world's first influencer. Ava Perone, the world's first Super Saiyan. She's just the world's first everything. Mad respect. Mad. So before too long, she she debuted as the lead in a play. Um, and by early 1935, so the following year, she's touring with a theater company, working as a model, and has been cast in a few B-films. So she's getting some traction, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Well, that was like I can on see how she getting her face out. Yeah, on that documentary, Sorry, she talked like they they talked about that other that other actress that she feuded with on that movie yeah, she did totally, and how like she so this other actress is the bigger actress, and there's a rivalry, and then one day this actress goes to her dressing room and she's having like a private lunch with all of the producers and the director like in her dressing room and yeah. it's like wow like yeah. you are an operator like that is like a full on like like totally like flex like and then yeah. flex and then she like they're like oh come sit down and this other actress is like oh no i want to sit with my own they said in the documentary she said i want to sit with my own class of people and like given everything that we've talked about, they kind of don't really explain that in like the, the A&E biography. At least they don't yeah. directly kind of be like, this is because Ava was like a poor schlub from a second family. Right. But like, like when you know this context, you're just like, holy shit. Like that was like Daggers, her, like yeah. just like being like, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh yeah. Twisting the dagger actually just being like, yes, I am not. Time. I'm not like, like associating I with this. I don't have to have you guys in my dressing trash. room because I'm not a piece of trash who has to prove how great she is, essentially, right? Like, right. Such exactly. a fucking yeah, wow. Yeah. And Eva definitely like internalizes all of this and it, like an elephant <laughs> does not does not forget. forget. Does not, yeah, she she does like not she persecuted this actress out of the country. <laughs> like <laughs> totally. Yikes. Um, so, so <laughs> by 1943, huh. she's a state, she's a staple on national radio in Argentina doing dramatic voice acting and eventually co-owning and running the station that she has her main gig with. Uh, she's acting in films when she can, doesn't really break through in film with any notable success. Um, needless to say, she is now one of the highest paid voice actresses in the country. And she owns an apartment in La Recoleta, which is like the beyond posh, posh area of town in Buenos Aires. So she's moving, she's shaking. She's doing, she's doing the thing that she set out to do, right? Yeah, big time. Um, So a turning point comes in 1944 when a devastating earthquake strikes San Juan which is in the northwest of Argentina, uh, killing 10,000 people. Oh. So obviously, um, you know, a terrible uh, natural disaster that occurs. The government, and this is a thing that I kept on coming across, which I was like, you know, like the government should just 
that's the government's job is to step in when stuff like this happens and like help the people. It's a country that is not how countries work. I heard but, that's how a country's supposed to work. Yeah, but, but I've never seen one like, do that. It's, just, it's rare to see it in action. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like these these cases where they have to pull these like weird auxiliary moves and be like okay well we gotta like scrap together some sort of a crisis relief function for this government (laughs) we need an actress to go on stage and raise funds (laughs) so the government can save its own people like hmm Uh, yeah you think you would have set aside some taxes for some of that ever or something but anyways for anything so (laughs) i was busy spending those taxes on me okay (laughs) You think this palace pays for itself? Come on. Uh, then Secretary of Labor, Colonel Juan Perón, uh, established in response, established a relief fund for the victims of the earthquake with fundraising done through, largely through an arts festival he devised in order to get the rich and famous, uh, the movers and shakers of Buenos Aires involved. Nice. And at the, at the gala held on the last day of, of this event, he met... Either. Oh, and heaven and earth rent asunder. I bet this is where she gets her last name. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> uh, alert! Come on. Oh, you fucked it up. Come on. No. So she thereafter referred to this day as her Dia Maravillosa, uh, the marvelous day, and they uh-huh. the miracle of Eva God. Left. Sounds way better than the tragic week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, what do you know? I mean, it's like that's her accepted her speech is like at the wedding, like we did have a week of tragedy, but it did lead to my marvelous day. And that's yeah. what's really important here. <laughs> that's the big takeaway. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they left that event, the gala, at two AM together. Ooh. And oh we're totally a thing from then on. But wait. incidentally, I mean, leaving. But wait, leaving she was a, his first wife, right? She was, was his first say, love. He, he, and he they probably were both already virgins. had a mistress at this. I think he already had a mistress at this point. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, I'm multiple sure, mistresses. Maybe he already had a wife. Okay, and yeah. She oh. had passed away. Oh no. Oh, okay. Uh, oh. So he wasn't like fully earlier. pulling a pulling a, a Papa Duarte here. No, no, not quite. At least not on the record. Yeah, as far as as far as I can tell. But um, it was she was Eva was Juan's second wife. Um, his first wife had passed away from cancer a couple of years earlier. Um, he embraced Eva as his mistress almost instantly. Yeah, and from that point on, it would become impossible to parse out uh, her own legacy from Eva's. I was just saying, I was watching right. um. The documentary I was watching was called like Ava Peron, a portrait. International or assassin. No, and it said that he actually Juan Peron actually made his his current mistress like told her to like get out of town when when Ava wow. uh, came on the scene. So he basically I think had her like move out and Ava moved in. Yeah, so she's kind yeah. of a big deal. Sounds like she made quite an impression on our. Well, we know we know she was good at getting those lunches, so she probably had a a lunch with him, and then the the mistress walked in, and she was like, "Now it's my turn to make that comment about a certain class of people." I totally stealing that. No. So, um, so yeah, they were they were very very quick to embrace one another. 
Um, and but she was still his mistress too. Like they didn't marry right away. No, I mean it wasn't too long. It no, wasn't right? Too long okay, but is it like wouldn't it? Because wouldn't it kind of have been seen as like bad to remarry, even if you're? I guess not if your your partner died, but like yeah. And it seems yeah. like multiple families are kind of the norm or whatever. Yeah, but not like <laughs> well, multiple certain, official families. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure not when you're yeah. the uh, head of a large military organization or whatever. Well, and there's a difference between right. like when it's like acceptable versus like encouraged or celebrated, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, wait, Absolutely. sorry. Is he yeah. is he um is he head of state now or is he still a military? No. General? He, okay. No, he's a he's a colonel. He's a colonel. He's the um, the minister of labor, or secretary oh. of labor. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, in in the Argentine government, so he is in the government. He's not the head of state. Okay. And um and so he he see he definitely sees some benefit to, um to kind of partnering up with Eva. Right. Um, initially embracing her lack of knowledge or interest in politics and the details of his work. Um, Juan stated like, that. Oh, you're just a big dummy. Her. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he he stated that he had in fact selected her for these traits. Wow. Uh, oh man. Wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> I like it. I would uh, like it if he to... said it in that language. Like, I have in fact selected you for these traits. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. I have selected you. These are the traits. That's how Tom Cruise. Like, that's how he's presented with. <laughs> yeah. I have selected you for your traits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Scientology. <laughs> Scientology. Genu has selected Katie. you. Please proceed to the <laughs> breeding chamber. <laughs> She's Scientology, the religion. I have selected you for these traits. <laughs> I am Tom, the selector. Uh, I'm Tom, the Tom Cruise overlords. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. If you sponsor the podcast, we'll stop saying these things. It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. Yep, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> Could all go away. Tom Cruise thousand dollars on Patreon. Yeah. No, Scientology's <laughs> on the wane. They're done. They're over. We can say whatever we want. No man. Leah Ramini. Nice. Thank <laughs> goodness for her. The Ava Perone of Scientology. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How can I tie this back in? No, no, amazing. What were you saying, Wes? You, you nailed it. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say they don't. Don't count out don't the sleeper make you, OT8s. Yeah, don't make you unleash <laughs> your OT8 powers on me. Your mind bullets. <laughs> your laser <laughs> eyes. Sleeper cell. Coming to a podcast near you. Yeah. So Juan stated that he had, in fact, selected her for those traits um, in order to better mold her into a second version <laughs> of himself. Ah, uh, yes. That's, well, uh, that's, <laughs> I hope he opened with these lines on the first date. <laughs> uh, well, it, See, I, think I want it was you to like, be more like myself. Because I want to fuck myself. <laughs> Except a yes. woman version of me, you understand. You, you understand my... a woman. You would want to fuck Mini a woman me. version of you. <laughs> Mini me in female form. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like uh... I like the, these angles he's coming at. Yeah. Juan's just a, like, nice. he's a no bullshit kind of guy. I, I like it. It's a, fre- it's a fresh approach. Yeah. Well but done. a younger version of me, also, you understand, correct? Yeah. I think. Oh I, yeah. I think when you command an army, you're allowed to just act like this, or or maybe you're su- supposed to act well, like. Yeah, this. you're allowed like, because if you if anyone crosses you, you'll just sick the army on them. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's he's just yeah he's just acting the part. It's totally. true. Yeah. I mean. 
so this was according to what he told a biographer. Um, and I, I'm assuming it ended up in one of his biographies, but he is just balls out me reading that biography. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, interesting approach to relationships. If you send us a free one, copy, we'll read it. That's what, I, all we're saying. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Very fresh. Um, I approve. In any case, he allowed her unprecedented access to his own affairs and to those of his office mm-hmm. in government, mm-hmm. which definitely raised eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine. Both, Especially. both amongst loyal yeah a woman a woman <laughs> right exactly in politics exactly well it's bad oh, yeah, enough when woman, we had to let the pores in also as young as she was right because she's right, in her yeah. 20s also, right now yeah and also as like poor and not from oh like the elite circles or so she's still that. poor even though she's a rising right. starlet she's still kind of like well not i mean at that moment right. at that time she is amongst the elite right in, so she, in Buenos Aires, but, but she didn't come. She she didn't have pedigree. Like she wasn't from a, a like exactly big big family. She's or a regular like Meghan that. Markle over here. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Is, or great, like, like great Trump. observation. Like in, in that way, is like Trump yeah. was never poor person. Outsider. Yep. Like Trump, but he was yep. never part of that sort of like Manhattan elite. Like his dad was considered kind of a vulgar, like like new money. And because of the way he acted, plus the way he sort of behaved was like, it's the same thing. It's like she, this is probably what she wanted more than anything, but even getting the money doesn't matter because it's like, but you were born that way. And that's what mattered at this point in time more than totally. if you had the money. Absolutely. And it still does in uh-huh. certain sectors. Yeah, it's yeah. just, they, they, ha- they also need those people. Cause most of those like people who are like, when my family was on the Upper East side, when the Dutch colonized it, like it's like those people just need the the people with the money and that's kind of what you're getting at here too is like mm-hmm. she is she's like now like Juan's lady and clearly he's like I want you involved in everything and everyone else is like we got to deal with this fucking like poor lady who just like just having sex with Juan like what right. the fuck like why do we have to deal with this shit she's like a right. scum she's going to make him give the so. money to the poors exactly no. yeah well, I I ratify both the Meghan Markle and the Donald Trump parallels that you guys have drawn, brought so up here. Ava so Perone is just half Donald Trump, half Meghan Markle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> put them together, you yep. get Ava Perone. End of podcast. <laughs> Tied up. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So th- this definitely raised eyebrows amongst uh, loyal allies and fellow party members. Um, to say nothing of the ire it drew from political opponents in in the capital, uh, the elites in, in Buenos Aires were very wary of Juan having embellished this young star from the provinces mm-hmm. into the corridors of prestige and power in um, in the country's capital. Right, so they kind of there is like this resentment and tension that just kind of sprung out of her presence and his. And his openness to her being involved, mm-hmm. right? Right, yeah. Kind of... Yeah, I could see how that uh, that would raise some eyebrows. Yeah, especially since yeah. How, how much older is he right now? Is he like 20 years older than her or something? Basically, yeah, he's like double her age. Right. Um, that makes Give or take, right? Yeah. So, and I don't know if that in these circles would have necessarily Yeah, it probably wouldn't be raising too many eyebrows in whatever the 1940s. That would have been more of like a high five kind yeah. of thing, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Amongst, amongst yeah, the, the eyebrows yeah, yeah. It's like eyebrows raised in like plus the smile, plus the high five. That's how it works. Right. Yeah. 
and in yeah exactly but then also raising eyebrows because like wait a second yeah wait a you're minute you're just supposed to be her at home and yeah we do the we do the rich elite people business with the for males sure. In, for sure yeah yeah it's like high five and then it's like wait you want her to be you want her to be in the meeting i take this high five back <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i converted into an eyebrow raise yes <laughs> uh the couple began to play games of politics and power very astutely off one another to their mutual benefit. Um, an early example of that is a union. It was kind of declared that performers in Argentina needed to be a part of a union. And so it was kind of uh, the first legal union of its mm. type, um, which was Juan's wow. idea. Oh no! No way. That's interesting. That's interesting. That actor, like an actors' guild, was the first union to materialize in Argentina. It wasn't the first, like but it was the first of its kind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but these were like uh, trade unions and um, and kind of other types of unions. This was, you know, I, and I didn't really look into the distinctions per se, but um, in any case, Eva as a performer was a part of this union. Mm-hmm. And as kind of a reciprocal gesture, I guess, from the members of the union for, you know, this member of government, the, the secretary of labor, having decreed that this union should exist, they elected Eva as the head of the union. <laughs> so oh, everyone's totally kind of normal. Totally okay. just, uh, just straight ahead, solidarity, politics. No, nothing totally. going on here. <laughs> This is their first power. This like, is their first power and, grab. Yeah, well, that's like For the thing sure. about these. This whole like, I think like we we haven't really like the Peronism and like Juan and and Ava is like they were sort of this ultimate like third way like yeah we love unions and social justice and like all that good stuff and we're off for the workers and the people and like the people are what tell us what to do but then it's like also all the people have to join our union and if they don't we'll hit them right mm. and. And everything right. is provided uh, from the state through corporations. Yeah, exactly. It's and, not like they're getting rid of. Sorry. And ultimately, ahead. we support the corporations so that they can support the people. Yeah, that's like it's like and, how. But we we give them, yeah, we give them carte blanche to do that however they want. Yeah, like you know, like maybe <laughs> the union is like polluting the river and uh, and they're not letting black people in, but you know they also kind of help us out. So uh, one hand washes the other, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in, in return for having the union created around her and then being elected to leadership in the union, Eva then obviously propagandized for Juan using her radio station and various performances, um, various mediums that she had at her command, which was, you know, obviously a really good and cozy reciprocal mm-hmm. arrangement. Um Argentine pol- politics are still super messy at this time, uh, facing pressure from many sides. Um, again, Juan isn't the head of state at this stage, but facing pressure from many sides, including from the GUO, which is a group of military officers known as the colonels, quote unquote. The colonels. Uh, who have significant influence in government, as we've kind of gestured towards a couple of times, is, uh, is a trend, I would say, in Latin American politics the, the right. clout that the military have 
um, albeit in a what's ostensibly a democracy. I'm just imagining um, a guy that's city. like, yeah, I just joined the military for the cloud. I don't like any of the military stuff. <laughs> it's like how you're on Twitter for the cloud. I'm just on. I'm just in the military for the clout. <laughs> Those good propaganda machines. Yeah. I mean, but wait. 40, 40 long His the propaganda that uh, that Ava's doing right now. There, he was when he was campaigning or running. He was. Would he not have been seen as like a more progressive like candidate or whatever, like someone that's advocating more for like the the middle class or whatever the the more poor people or but i mean Certainly. I guess that's probably he how was. everyone like that's this how is, everyone runs this is what Certainly. i'm getting at so we've, sorry yeah go ahead we've yet, we've yet to reach the point where where juan is actually running for president um he's still like he's he's a general or he's not a general he's a he's a colonel colonel he's like in the upper tiers of military power within the government but he's also got a secretary like he he holds the secretary's office, right? Yeah, like he's like he's like in the government's cabinet as well as being a general. Right. Yeah. So this is kind of the dynamic. It's like they're wearing a couple different hats there. He's not he's not been elected necessarily to anything yet. Um mm-hmm. and the what's about to happen in in the chronology is gonna lead to him kind of being in more of in a position where he needs to campaign and needs oh, okay. to gain kind of but he sure. was also seen as like a union guy and like a pro union. Yeah, guy. Oh, for sure. I guess that's like, what well, I'm just interested. It's like, what's, if he's not running right now, then why why is why is Eva doing these radio hits for him if he's not? Well, running because for any he's in the government, so she's like there, and she's sort of like helping him. It's like how like like the vice okay. president or like so she's just doing you know, like, like yeah. Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State before she ran again in 2016 right like it's like he's he wants he's in that position because it gives him access to power and it's also laying the groundwork for him to run it's like the same thing as modern politicians do today okay so she she would essentially still be working for whatever government is still in power but like giving whatever messages they can to help well she was working for she was working for the radio station that she owned she oh, part okay. owned not right? a conflict she's oh, right, using right 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 right, right, right. She, she's using her platform to propagandize so for example uh news today was the textile workers in the blah 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 district of buenos aires have reached an agreement with the labor secretary the honorable juan peron uh and his graciousness has has agreed to blah 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 honor the increase in um Wait, safety or, measures oh, safety. in the yeah. factory or whatever okay. and and thanks and right. thanks to this like masterful yeah. negotiation on the part of our secretary of labor a strike right, right, has right. been avoided and Just, not only that but now strikes are illegal okay <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you or whatever it was but strikes are illegal pumping his tires pumping his tires and sneaking in whatever exactly. uh legislature or agenda stuff that yeah okay Got for it. sure yeah. for sure kind of like by the way i'm know, also the head of every union <laughs> like yeah, exactly. that kind right. of shit so so argentine politics politics are still super messy uh the the sitting president at the time was facing pressure from these colonels um as well as opposition parties which were numerous as well and um and he is forced to sign his own resignation letter which was drafted by juan peron um and a friend of juan's is then made president opposition forces jail juan um, mm. Out of fear of his power and popularity derived from his his support base, 
which is generally workers and trained unionists, like uh, which became more relevant in the political picture in Argentina after the Science Peña law was passed. The you know the non-property owning males are able to vote, and Juan Perón has a really good rep- uh, reputation with these people, has their support. So mm-hmm. it's suddenly that becomes a very potent yeah. piece in the whole chess game. Like, right? and he's like, so the, who are the opposition the change. forces in this case? Winds of change. Winds of so power. they would be. Mm-hmm. So they would be yeah. the conservative, that's, that's conservative establishment, right? Okay. Um, um, particularly which which dominated the Senate, um, uh, or at least up until that point had, and then there would be further left forces like there would be a communist party or socialist party probably um you know various left until until they get murdered as well obviously right until they get <laughs> taken in helicopters and thrown into the ocean yeah but uh, no as you, one episode without as helicopter you, rides as we'll you never have it. Out, <laughs> every uh, episode will have helicopter ahead. rides going forward <laughs> as you pointed out joe uh peronism is a third way yeah. right so it's not capitalism it's not communism it's it's like it we're going to take all of the, the grossest both. parts of right. both. <laughs> yeah, it's like a corporate socialism. Yeah, right? or because like, one, yeah. one way that it's been described. So right like, now, let, okay, support the companies, support the corporations, and the corporations will support the people. Right, just through trickle down. I don't see any way this could go wrong. No, not not a problem (laughs) at all. (laughs) Because I guess I don't know. I don't know. I know that I think Perón took control of like you know a lot of uh, organizations or resources and like now made them like government run or whatever. But I don't know this what the state was really before that. Like how much of a like free free market or wild west or how much of the government was already like kind of in control yeah. of those things. No, no, uh, <laughs> not, at all, not at all. Uh, but it's, it's a great point. Yes. Um, there was a big move to, and it, it wasn't all necessarily taking control of the businesses. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, there was a lot of privatization. There was a lot of encouragement to privatize previously publicly owned um, corporations or industries or sectors. But I think, and it's, it's a little bit, uh, vague, and I think that's intentional. Yeah. But basically, the idea was to support private ownership of these companies, um, industries, sectors, and then and then just make the government, make the state, quote unquote, the Peronist state, integral to the running of those industries, and like uh, use so the unions as like this lever. Uh, I like to be that. like, hey, yeah. yeah, well, you could do that. Like I'm cool Absolutely. if you like want to like pollute or like whatever over here or if like yeah you don't want to hire again like hire like people with darker skin or if you don't want to hire women or whatever like we're gonna look the other way but if you start fucking with our like you either give us our cut and you don't fuck with our little games or then we'll we'll get we'll stick the union on you and then all of a sudden you'll be hemorrhaging money essentially is like and I know yeah, it's right. it's not just that like obviously there was also like a lot of patronage and like they were in these parties with these leaders and everything too. And like there was cozy Mm -hmm. relationships, but like, that's just sort of like, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's like, another thing I think is like, it's crazy how this has kind of gone under the radar so much like that we don't learn about it because like, it feels like if that sort of like, if Trump hadn't been a complete like nincompoop, like this is the kind of thing that we would have seen develop, I think. And we sort of saw them, 
just do it in very like not like Juan and Ava were clearly like crafty as fuck because they knew how to do it. Like it feels like that's what we would have had if Trump was competent or like able to focus for five minutes kind of thing. Like this is the kind of sort of like weird, like authoritarian, not quite fascism, vaguely populist. Like I could see this happening in the United States in a way, not exactly the same, but this is the kind of like weird, this is what like when they talk about like right wing populism or whatever. And it's not that these people are like, they're not like, it's not like they, they put on this work. Like, again, like it's not like Juan and Ava, like put on this, like, we love the people. We love the working man kind of thing. Like they clearly did at least believe that. Cause I think it said in most like areas, like they were fucking workaholics. Like they were just work. They were like mm-hmm. working long hours together all the time. And that was kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of this, like the reason it's sort of this weird, funky mix of like, of like socialism and corporatism and all this stuff is like, that's kind of what they believed in a way. Like it's very, it's, I just see it as sort of like this whole fascinating, weird fucked up thing. I'm not gonna lie from a, uh, from a a ruling government standpoint, it's seems like it would work because it gives, it gives industry and people almost like the illusion that they're in control and they have the freedom to do what they want until the man comes calling and you're not doing things the way that they want you to. So I feel like it would yeah. work. I feel as a form of government, this sounds like it would work. Well, it did work. There's still like a Peronist party in Argentina today. Mm, interesting. And of so when Argentina hasn't been um, under military dictatorship, so for like the 34 some odd years that it's been a legitimate democracy, legitimate democracy, yeah. um, 20 whatever, 25 or 26 of those years have been... Um, there have been elected Peronist candidates. Hmm. So the the third way, like the idea, the ideology, the movement itself is still very popular. Yeah, and I mean it. It kind it it's a bit of an amorphous, like tough to pin down. It's in some moments it's difficult to distinguish it from like a tyrannical kind of fascist right right wing you know whatever but there's that populism and there is that appeal to the working people, the people. and to the the trade unions and and the and the leveraging of the union the trade unions for you know appealing to those people in, en masse and getting that support and taking that to the ballots and like again is like, really what that, that is what matters, it's all yeah. about right yeah. yeah and the whole union thing is really like think about like even in canada or the states like who are the unions throwing their support behind? Yeah, they're not doing it to the conservatives, but they're not doing it to like the communist party candidates or even like the NDP. Like most of the big labor unions came out and supported Trudeau. Uh, you know, like the head of Unifor donated money to Kelly Leach when she was yeah. like a candidate for the conservative leadership. Like, like there's like Italy, a cozy yeah. relationship Good when you point. have these big yeah. union trade unions that are suddenly in like this cozy relationship with like the corporate side of things. And then the government as well. It's like, what, mm-hmm. what is, who what are they is working the for here? Of this union? Who is this union yeah. really like, like, I'm not saying unions are bad. I think like unions can be good, but yeah, like, but it's sometimes it's hard to know who the union, like is the a union really is a working for you or is the union. And like, and what does it mean to, to be like trying to pacify union? you for the government? In a in a right. in a yeah. an economy that's still mobilized around like producing commodities for profit, right? 
Like how much mm-hmm. can you really, yeah. how far can you that really is go the reality. with that and give control True. to your actual workers? But yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm, get, I'm, I'm blowing it up here. I'm blowing up the episode. So no, no, not at all. Not at all. This is all super yeah. German. Yeah. yeah. This is entire, yeah. entirely germane. Um, and yeah, I mean, the thing is, is unions are like living, breathing things and they're, only as radical as their leadership yeah. and their leadership is only as radical as their like rank and file. Well, and, and the, if the rank the, is the rank, who is in control, like the rank and file is in control if, if they, but like, you know, like if the rank and file is satisfied, then what can the leaders get away with? Right. What can, the, what can they do on the totally. side? If the, if the rank and file is like, I, I, you know, I got my good job. Like I'm not really worried about my neighbor who I think is like gross or poor or whatever you know, doesn't like fit what I think is like the right kind of person. Like that's where it's like, well, then what? Yeah, exactly. And the reality is in a country like Canada and even, you know, in America, there is a lot of comfort amongst union members um, that causes them to not identify with radical causes. Exactly. Necessarily, you know, and if that's the case, then what are you going to do? Well, ultimately what you're going to do is you're going to elect people into leadership of the union that are going to maintain what's going on currently yeah. so that you can continue to feel comfortable because you're not going to want to shake things up. Right. And it's like the whole thing with animation, uh, unionizing animation studios in, in Vancouver, for example, you know, every mm-hmm. three out of five uh, people who work in the industry that you talk to about a union would be like, well, if we all unionize, then they're just going to leave. Yeah. And they're going to fucking like um, Huffington post us. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I guess they're going And gone. it's like, well, okay. And then, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not out of like nowhere to make that observation, but this is like a victim. This is a victim posture of like oh no we don't want to hold you to account for anything because you don't want you to leave and take our jobs away but then also you don't actually want them to leave and take your job away because everyone wants to have a good industry here exactly so it's 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 down to like such complex dynamics and we um, think about that like what you believe and what's real for you yeah and we think about that like since pena law like you talked about like it was giving the white male people the ability to vote so all of a sudden there's this electoral leverage that can be seen as a legitimacy. And it's like, yeah, these guys are for the people. They believe in the working people, but who's the working people? Who are the people that are allowed to work and join these unions? You know, like, like labor in even like the people who like the, the names, you know, of like Debs, mother Jones, like people who built the American and North American uh, trade unions, even like, like Tommy Douglas, he recanted later in life, but he had some pretty ugly beliefs about eugenics when he was younger (laughs) And, and like any, and like mother Jones was like, like no Asian people in our country, please. We need those jobs for good white Americans. Like they said that stuff and they, they did that to maintain their own power because they were either, they were just genuinely like believers in some kind of bullshit racist ideology, or they saw it as like, well, the worry here is if we let them in all of a sudden they're going to be like scab labor. And that's not necessarily not saying that that wouldn't happen because like the problem was they were so oppressed that like, of course they're going to accept whatever they can get. 
but it's like that's how an, another way that the it like these even with a union you can have this divide between groups of working people that, that are like lucky enough to have a union job in these tough times and low oh, i better hold on to this because otherwise i'll be like that i'll be like that other less yeah. deserving person and i don't want to be like that because that's shameful to me because i am a good worker and i have a good job right so like it makes you wonder like who were these the people and the working people that juan and ava had the support of they weren't necessarily the actual sort of like and maybe they were, and maybe they most were marginalized, most yeah. marginalized, well, most downtrodden. But they were yeah, the ones that had just the, enough the, power to to exert that could, like, when you have all these different groups, like the the heads of the corporations and these generals who are also in government and Juan and everything. It's like when you have that power sharing arrangement, any wedge group that exerts enough pressure can just like make the whole thing topple one way. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And and you wonder like this was this is again this is in the 40s or 50s still so it's like and you wonder how yeah. how informed like these these people might have been as to like what was actually what going they on. were actually doing for them the ma- yeah the material yeah. reality absolutely just well, like, that's oh my the God. thing you see this person oh this is a star the star says this whatever this 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 rising star who's like a great actress performer like famous person is advocating for me she says she's advocating for me like why would you not want to gravitate towards that if you especially if you don't totally. know much about what the situation is going on so yeah. oh, we're lucky it, that doesn't yeah, happen and it goes today. even further than that yeah yeah we're, well, we're lucky that doesn't crazy, happen like, today yeah, at oh all. my god <laughs> people it's, wouldn't dare it's people crazy would not see. dare people are it, so much more informed with twitter and instagram yeah I, sorry oh my god watching saying? some of the videos of i was just gonna say watching some of the videos of trump voters when it shows like it shows the people like juxtaposition with like some of his policies versus like these like voters and like what he did with farming and stuff and all these diehard like farmers that will just like no i'm gonna vote for trump of course i'm gonna vote for trump he's fighting for me and it's just like no he's not <laughs> he's ruining your right, livelihood but, but it doesn't matter because like the, the truth is like, and probably this was a similar situation. No one else was even pretending to fight for them. You know, no, everyone else was right. like, Oh, they're just like those stupid so, idiot, right. Good observation. Those stupid idiot yeah, Appalachian so would... coal miners. And it's not that again, they aren't racist. It's not that there aren't problems in like white, predominantly white communities with segregation and, and, and discrimination and, and homophobia. But it's like, also everyone else is just like, well, fuck you. You're a, you're a dirty redneck who deserves to die because you're, you, you don't, you don't like act the right way or you, maybe you, maybe you don't have like the perfect language or whatever. And then all of a sudden you have one person who's saying like, well, I believe in you and I don't think any of those problems are problems instead of saying like, well, yeah, like you just, you deserve comfort in life. I think you should like maybe rethink what you think about gay people no one's saying that to them. They're just like, fuck you and die. Cause you're not, I don't care about you. Cause I'm in a city and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a privileged liberal, right? Like maybe that was the same here. Maybe it was like before this third way mm-hmm. stuff, all they had yeah. was these commun these intellectual communists who were like, you're oppressed. Like you need to rise mm-hmm. up. And it's like, but you're just like a, you're just like a fucking professor who like fucks his students. Like you're not helping me. And then like, there's a conservative that's like, you just need to shut up and know your place and just do the work. And I will decide because God gave me that. And it's like, of course, when this guy's like, look at all this shit I'm doing for you. I gave you a trophy. They're like, this guy gave me a trophy. Everyone else told me to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's amazing how low the bar can be set 
and then yes. you can do the bare minimum and people are like wow yeah, yeah. this guy yeah. really gets me <laughs> yeah i could see it um, <laughs> really embodies what i that's see that's how i approach all my relationships <laughs> Set the bar low. Like, wow, look at this guy. I'm just like, I just go up to women who clearly just got broken up with by a, by a shitty boyfriend, and I'm like, here, have this trophy. And they're like, this guy gave me a trophy. <laughs> okay, so where were we? But, we um, were Juan yes. was jailed by the opposition. Uh, still kind yes. of like super popular at this point. Um, what happened next? Well, he he has he has become very popular in the years leading up to this. Um, basically the prior president forced to sign his own resignation letter drafted by Perón and a friend of Juan's in government is made president. Uh, the opposition forces then jail Juan, which would have been a pretty, you know, um, controversial move considering they weren't actually in power. I do. I do love that. Like Um, that brain, that, that galaxy brain thing of like, you know, this guy's pretty popular. Maybe we should put him in jail. Let's put him in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And it was out of fear of his power and popularity derived from the, the base of workers and trade unionists, which Mm -hmm. uh, became increasingly potent and relevant in the country's politics since that male suffrage those uh those the, those so, white, so weird to white male that. suffragettes yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah since the this the saints pena law was passed um a couple of decades earlier so juan peron is in jail or he's he's being held um and hundreds of thousands of people gather outside the government house in buenos aires to demand his release um eventually he is released and emerges on the balcony to address the crowd. Oh shit! Um, I think I like where this is going. I love this balconies. is like a film. This yeah. is like the film Andrew Lloyd Webber musical moment. Yes, um, yes. Where Eva has like run run around the streets of Buenos Aires and knocked on all the doors and been like, "Come, come out in support of Juan." Yeah, she definitely, really, really she didn't did do that. Any of that. Knocked on every door. Rally <laughs> like a full pass over yeah. country. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a huge turnout in support of Juan. Definitely. Um, it was all down to organizing efforts of the labor movements and unions um, yeah. to get all those people there. Um, so anyways, he's released to uh, does uh, makes a speech to his supporters and is very well received, obviously, um, and subsequently runs away with the next election to become president um, and is president of Argentina in 1946, largely with the support of Eva on her radio show who's leaning into the heavy populist narrative of the the Peronist province to the working class. I'm trying to draw parallels um, of, to other things. Of support and, and enfranchisement. I'm trying to draw parallels <laughs> yeah. to modern politics, and I can't really think of any right now. Yeah, um, it kind of falls short, doesn't yeah. it? I, I don't see that even happening. Well, that I just like, happen. I think of like, like hollow promises they put the him, electorate. Yeah, <laughs> but they put this guy in jail. Flim flamming? Yeah. <laughs> Carpet bagging? <laughs> Douche nozzling, <laughs> wiener waggling. I don't know. Those aren't things. Um, but I think like wiener waggling guy, is definitely a thing. Wiener waggling is a thing. I don't know if Juan Perón did it. <laughs> if he did, I would respect him. Um, but like you think of like even like the Capitol riot in January, like it was just like a bunch of like fucking like like middle class contractors like taking a shit in Nancy Pelosi's desk. Like they didn't know what to do. Like 
this is what happens when you have like an organized movement on your side. And it's not that they, they, they didn't like, they knew this was going to happen and they were prepping for winning and maybe they were, but it's like when you have a, a people group of people who are used to mobilizing and like know how to do that in a way that like they can actually exert massive power. Like this is what happens. This is what I'm saying is like what Trump was kind of missing is a, he didn't have his Ava Perone to like, like he had like Melania who like, was fine, but she didn't inspire the way Trump did. And like, he didn't have a little bit ineffectual. Yeah. This base of like people who were really were trained in how to like cause like a real and, and wanted to (laughs) sort of like fuck shit up. And he also wasn't jailed, but it's just like, I see you see, it's interesting. You see these, like we're drawing these parallels, but then we're also seeing where it goes when it's like just certain things are slightly different. Right. So yeah, right. Totally. Well, totally. Yeah. So the dynamic is beginning to emerge whereby Juan is the strongman leader in typical Latin American fashion, and Eva is something of the soft-handed conscience of the state, uh-huh. appealing to workers and women and beginning to make real gestures to relieve their dire circumstances, which they are completely thirsty for. Um, the people of the country in every sense of, of the word. Like elite circles are absolutely in need. And so she's making gestures to these people and it appeals to them massively. Right. Um, in 1947, as first lady of her country, Eva embarks on a tour of Europe. Uh, the origins of this trip are basically that Francisco Franco had invited Juan Perón to Spain. <laughs> and that's the, that's the sign of not a- an invitation of a of a woman <laughs> yeah. of the people when 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 francisco franco is like hey come over here let's hang out <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was an invitation that the argentine president did not want to accept at that time due to the optics obviously with franco's regime in spain um, not held in the highest regard at that stage um just a reminder obviously this is like the post-world war ii yeah. era um, and so Nazism and fascism generally is frowned upon despite having been heavily invested and supported. And also um, like kind of is, Western liberal democracy. Who's yeah. escaping to okay. Argentina well, at this point, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, and, and so one of the connections and this, this touches on a, a kind of a wrinkle in the Peronist uh, kind of narrative topography, I guess, hmm. is that uh there's a lot of accusations of there being like fascism ingrained in, in the, the Peronism of the Peronista movement. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that comes from the reality of the fact that Juan Peron and other kind of followers or other people who have been elected to power under Peronism have used a pretty heavy hand and have shut down, um, you know, popular movements and grassroots movements using the military, using force, using tyrannical... What? But that's what the government did to him. You think he'd be like <laughs> yeah. more like, hey, he'd... I'm not going to do that to my political rivals. Yeah, take the yeah. high ground. What the <laughs> that's heck? what happens. Well, but... like he was like a big... He like was like, Mussolini's cool. He like liked that guy a lot. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And, and you know, post, uh, post-war Germany... Um, Juan definitely wanted to recruit like some of the best and brightest from the Nazis to come to Argentina and be like, Hey, we'll try and protect you from, you know, the tribunals. But America beat him to it. 
build <laughs> rockets wanted, for us. Or, everyone wanted those you know, shiny Nazis at the end everyone, of the war. Everyone they wanted like, those shiny Nazis. <laughs> pogs. I gotta write that down oh, for a sketch idea. <laughs> they were. They, they so were a hot the commodity. The optics aren't great for, for Juan himself as the president to go to Spain, on, nor to Portugal for that matter, which also had a, a, a dictator, a, kind of a fascist dictator at that time. So Eva, in good first lady fashion, goes instead and kind of rebrands it as opposed to being like a diplomatic mission or like an official tour or anything like that, um, has it be a, an informal, non-political goodwill tour. It's non-political because a woman did it. <laughs> um, but, right. but the crucial thing is, is that she's going to other countries besides just Spain and Portugal, mm-hmm. which arguably Ooh. were the ones that invited um, invited ah. for for the Perones to go over. <clears throat> so Eva's in Eva's in Europe. Um, she gets a mixed reception on the on the whole for her, for her European tour. Um, she receives honors and, and awards in Rome and Madrid. And a warm Uh-oh. welcome in fascist Portugal. Uh-oh. Uh She receives a snub from Buckingham Palace, which prompts her to skip the stop in England. As oh King no! George, I think it is the time wasn't interested in seeing her. The Queen um, was like, "We, we like and... our fascism polite and quiet, thank you." <laughs> <laughs> we like we like and, the velvet um, glove. Yes, yes. <laughs> and on her stop in Switzerland. Uh, she went on a watch factory tour huh. and then in a motorcade touring around a city, uh, rocks were thrown at her by protesters smashing oh, no. the, wow. the window. Ava. And then, and then in meeting with the Swiss foreign minister, um, hecklers and protesters threw rotten fruit and vegetables at them. <laughs> okay, so the Swiss are actually not well received in the Swiss. That's interesting because I heard there's like, we can discuss this later, like when we're after death. But I, I heard she had like ties to, to Swiss. Like in in rumors about her power and like you know how much money she had. It's like yeah. rumored she had like hundreds of millions of dollars in Swiss bank accounts. Yeah, but there's like there's like the Swiss bank accounts, and then there's like the people in Switzerland, and they're not necessarily the same thing. Just like I'm we sure said, they're... like you know. Yeah, everyone was, was bankers. Yeah, like of course she money, went to Switzerland. Right? Like that, they she's, were like the, they were the guys that held everyone's yeah. wallets while they fought wars. <laughs> right, she's she's got to make those ties. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was, or it has been speculated that the reason why she stopped in Switzerland was to open a bank account, or right? Whatever. Yeah, but you don't need to have that much pomp and circumstance to a, yeah. an account. I mean, no, that was just like an There's added bonus because she was into that. I don't know. <laughs> She's there. You might as well sign off a few things. I was in the area. <laughs> yeah, I was just in the area. I thought, you know, you said you'd have this nice party for me. What if we just opened a bank account? Oh, yeah. I love it. It's, it's the other way, though. They're like, Miss Perone, we will not allow you to open a bank account unless you meet the minister. Unless you meet the, what is it? The foreign minister. If you meet the foreign minister, we will allow you to open a bank account. That is how it works. Yes. Yeah. It's all about the photo op. So as a result of this mixed reception and just generally the experience on the European tour, a couple of parts of her public persona seem to be galvanized. Um, and so, for example, in Spain, she hands out she hands out a hundred peseta notes to poor children, uh, which foreshadows a ramping up of her populist philanthropy. Yeah, give them cash to the people. That's yeah. what they want. That'll get you the votes. Right. 
she it's also made the cover of Time magazine <laughs> on her own as um, as the first lady of Argentina. Oh. Um, I love how in Craig's notes yeah, he has first of two. <laughs> yes, the second <laughs> time that she did the cover of Time was with her husband Juan, mm. uh, but the mm. first time she made it on her own just really just for going to you gotta wonder what he felt about that you know her making the cover of time before him yeah who knows well i don't know if it feeds into it at all but um it also brought up in the article in time magazine that Mm. eva was born out of wedlock and this resulted in time magazine and in argentina for several months that's what you get so whether it was a combination of juan not being on the cover with eva um, or and and her having been outed as uh, you know being born out of wedlock. Oh my god! I love that or it's just it's... like petty spite that Juan's just like fuck you. This magazine's not being sold in Don't this country res- anymore. Disrespect my wife like that. <laughs> I love no Time that. Magazine for you. <laughs> I hope that's true. I mean, that's the thing. If you're already like running like a a fucking like banana republic, weird like crypto fascist regime you you gotta flex like that once in a while right yeah perfect exactly because he can yeah because he can why wouldn't you? <laughs> otherwise like, next time you're like yeah. you know they're already gonna say this shit about me why don't i just confirm it <laughs> <laughs> there you go. remove all doubt yeah uh she also um post-european tour she also refines her style significantly away from the prior glamour and extravagance she had embraced as a famous performer um, instead, now favoring simpler elegance, you know, still whatever Dior or still whatever European designers, but something more suited to a serious political figure and, you know, certainly a first lady. Uh, in resuming her de- her duties as first lady of Argentina back home, she begins to pres- position herself and her husband as a political force together that are ingrained in the very fiber of the emerging political realities in the country an example of this, a, a huge example of this, is the ch- uh, charity group run by the wives of powerful men in the capital, largely responsible for pretty much all or any of the modest social support that was on offer at the time to people in need. Um, yeah. An organization said, called Sociedad, yeah, an organization yeah. called Sociedad de Beneficencia, um, was not interested in having Mm-mm. Eva as president. You Ooh. can't join that con- group because the first lady was traditionally offered the position of, oh. um, of the organization. So in response, Eva allegedly had, <laughs> I mean, she definitely <laughs> did a, a bunch of this that was proven, Yeah, but the extent to which she took it is what's alleged about it. Right. But had any remaining government funding pulled from the charity. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. these are all rich, all rich families yeah. anyways He's yeah all, yeah the, the wives of not seeing secretaries and i love this caddy shit i love yeah, this caddy shit it's like, like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Like, nope so, well so and this all probably again like up. this is like when trump pulls the like we're gonna drain the swamp shit like and uh, and puts like one goldsman sachs exec on like 
like notice or whatever. Right. It's like all of a sudden it's like a whole news cycle about, Oh, Trump's going to be, is Trump the populist candidate? Is he going back to his populist roots? Like, no, he's not going to do anything. He's like best friends with all these guys, but he said something. So now we have to talk about it. She, Oh, Oh, like she doesn't actually care about poor people, but like, she does care about humiliating rich people and that's just as good to poor people in some ways. Like I like it when rich rich people get humiliated. (laughs) Makes me feel big. Certainly. This is, and you bring up a really important thing because, you know, I'm not convinced that Eva doesn't care about poor people. Exactly. I feel like in her soul, she really does. Um, I think that she maybe cares I don't want to say too much, but her efforts are her efforts abound and they're misdirected in in certain ways. But in any case, she's this is obviously like a petty like power yeah, power fucking struggle. <laughs> and she re she basically redirects any funding that would go to this existing charity, uh, Sociedad de Beneficencia and sets up her own Eva Peron Foundation <laughs> and puts all the funding into the Ultimate flex. <laughs> Just like, oh, yeah? Well, I set up the Eva Peron Foundation. <laughs> I'm already the leader. Yeah. I'm already the head of the foundation. Well, it's like, that's what you, um, I think, she re- sorry, not to like jump on you, nope, but it is right. like true. It's like, I don't see that, what I see is clearly like, as much as Juan and Eva were sort of committed to staying in power above all else, like, they did clearly believe some of their shit, like in a sense, right? Like whatever sure. to the limited bit. It's like, and it's like, that's, that's the most, in a lot of ways, the most dangerous kind of demagogue or, or like, like leader of a cult of personality or like this kind of person is like, because they believe their own shit, it's so much easier for them to convince other people that they do because they only believe it to the extent that they need to. Like, and, and they're not even doing it consciously. They're not just like, yeah, I only, I only believe that when I'm on camera, it's not that simple, but it's like, yeah. Like Ava is like, yeah, well, fuck you. I'm going to end this organization and build my own. And then just by like, probably because she's petty, it's just all of a sudden now her face is on every like loaf of bread that gets given to a poor person. And then that's how this cult forms, right? It's like, she may not have even intended that to be that way. She was just like, yeah, I'm fucking petty. Fuck you. I'm going to fuck you over and make this my thing. And it has these like echoes. Right. And it's like, you can see that not in just Trump, but in like, there's plenty of people in the democratic party that we see this kind of shit from. Right. So, yeah. Well, the whole idea of the role of the state Right. And the state exists to serve the citizens of the country. And if the state isn't serving the citizens of the country, then what is it doing? Well, it's serving sections of the citizenry of the country. Right. Um, And what liberal democracies tend to do is appeal to our, our desire to have even the most marginalized people in our country served by the state. Um, that's kind of like a corollary to whatever, to, to the Canadian state say. But if all, like if the system that exists in the country, if the like economic system and the social system in the country is set up so that it needs outside um, institutions, outside uh, interference or involvement 
in order to correct the imbalances that are inherent to the system, then it kind of begs the question of whether or not the state's actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. If we need to have a huge charity sector where we pay parts of our income or, you know, maybe some government funding, some of our taxes that go to the government for our roads and our lights and all the stuff that make this country functional for everyone. Um, If, if some of that stuff needs to go to a separate entity to make sure that everybody has food or has a place to sleep or doesn't get sick and has no healthcare or whatever, is the state actually doing what it's supposed to be doing? Like who, why, why isn't that built in? No, why, you don't understand. The state's, the state's job is to look good in outfits. That's the state's job. Okay. <laughs> and to, and to recite cool poetry. <laughs> says like exactly what you've talked about like eva is eva is setting this situation up where by and she literally like a minute or two later in this in this chronology she has people queuing up by the hundreds and thousands to come and see her in person and greet her and ask her for what they need oh man so she's literally making the social security of the nation all about her yeah filtering it entirely through her and and standing to reap all of the rewards in terms of the reputation and you know the the persona that she builds the mythology that she builds well of course you are the most popular person in the country because everyone's got to come to you to get their like rations or whatever to get their scraps of clothing to be able to sew together socks for the winter it's it's madness but it i don't know it's not a far like it's not a far um, removed situation from having a state that's like, oh yes, oh yes, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll whatever. But you know, there's still all these issues that don't. You know, we have a police force that's not, for some reason, isn't able to handle the actual like criminality that exists in our city of money laundering and like like uh, criminalization of homelessness and all all these things that they're so poorly equipped to handle. We need to have outside organizations like do reports come up and become prominent to, to figure out how to solve these problems yeah. for these different institutions that are supposed to be solving these problems. We're paying them enough money, right? As taxpayers in this country, they should be able to solve all this stuff, but they don't. And, and granted, I mean, it's unfair to, to expect the police, for example, to be able to solve that problem. They're not, they're a hammer. But it's like, why do we have this like then? You know? But then why do we fucking have, right? Like, let's get something that that actually addresses these problems and not have to funnel it through the reputation of some politician who's like, oh, yes, I have the answer. Vote, elect me, and I'll solve the problem. And I will and erect like, a golden dumb. throne to myself have- upon which the police will carry and then you'll want to love me because the police are carrying a statue. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, no. It the case. For, for whatever reason, it can't be the case that the system just works for these people who are on the, the margins of it yeah. or outside the margins of it. It needs to be like, well, we need an outside force. That's an very, that's not a very elegant system. It's, it's a system that dooms itself to, um, kind of a parasitism like in a sense of like of like eventually like these outside forces just drain all of the resources away and 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 that's kind of what the perones were in a way like they like if eva has all these secret swiss bank accounts like what's the <laughs> right. difference between her and like 
you know, like, I don't know, like what's like, um, like, uh, I don't know, Raytheon. No, but like, you like, like, yeah. When, when we have all of a sudden these, 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 the state also relying on these corporate entities, it's like, you're right. It's like, why do we have the state then? But then like, but we don't want the corporate entities either, but that's, but they're doing the job. So yeah, the state is just like, well, what's the fucking point of the state then? But like, but that doesn't mean that it's like the unique thing, right? Yeah. It's a tool. And if the tool is used, is misused, then it's not going to be fit for purpose. Yeah. And it needs to be like redesigned. But let's get back to this, um, Ava, Ava, like girl bossing her way into charity. I like, I like this a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. that was, that was a pretty big uh, aside. So within a few years, the foundation controls assets in excess of $200 million at that year's exchange rate, employing tens of thousands of people and distributing hundreds of thousands of basic goods, including like sewing machines and, uh, and kitchen hardware and stuff like that, um, has built hospitals, homes, and other charitable institutions. There's even a city <laughs> built by the foundation named after Eva. Healthcare inequality in the country was effectively eliminated during this time. So if you needed healthcare, you just needed to get to a hospital and they would treat you thanks to Eva's foundation. Wow. Which is amazing. Decent. But the fact that there wasn't any opportunity for the state to provide any of those things beforehand is frankly shocking. Yeah, totally. It's like, (laughs) if you think about it, (laughs) not great. (laughs) Thank you for, it's like, imagine if Bernie Sanders just like, was like, I'm going to, I'm going to like open a bunch of hospitals and now, and it's like, yay, we have hospitals, but like, wasn't that not really the point? Like now, now we have like the Bernie Sanders hospital that we can go to. Like, it's 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 very it's very that, that weird. It's like why didn't you just make the government do that? Well, I see why in that case. No, it's more like if like Kamala Harris just opened a bunch of hospitals, I guess, in a way, and was like, now you can go to these hospitals. It's like thanks, that's not what we asked for, but I mean, I need my leg fixed, so I guess I'm going to this free hospital. <laughs> right. So it is disputed that the Perones used the foundation to funnel government money along with vast contributions from <laughs> it is disputed by the Perone family that the Perones no. <laughs> <laughs> Counts. Um, it is not at all disputed that Eva's work with the foundation came to consume nearly all of her time and effort, nor that it bolstered the Perones reputation and fame amongst the masses of Argentina. And in Eva's case elevated to her to virtual sainthood. Um, so yeah, the whole thing where she is, like literally physically greeting person after person after person in the hundreds in a given day to for them to ask her what they want and for her to decide whether or not to give it to them wow. <laughs> which is like most painful social security <laughs> structure you could imagine but obviously very beneficial to eva yeah completely totally. all about her about her and i'm sure it was completely exhausting um, it is exhausting making it about yourself is... i should know <laughs> like <laughs> like that's the thing is like it's hard work making it all about you but people gotta do it <laughs> it's true um accordingly um eva was also a champion of women's suffrage in argentina though though she's often given more credit for women eventually gaining the vote than her efforts might merit i'm gonna leave 
that to somebody else. To this <laughs> well, it's like this she is like deserves all that or not. Go ahead. Uh-huh, this is like uh-huh. we talked about in the Courtney Love episode. It's like she sort of smashed those barriers for her, <laughs> you know. And it's not that she didn't sure. smash those barriers in a way and make it just like acceptable or whatever, and took a bunch of shit for it, and like. And it's great. It's fine to smash barriers for yourself, right? Yeah, totally. Um, but then it's also like, I don't but f- do you deserve the credit for like, like in the sense of like the broader, yeah. the broad, like you deserve the credit for doing that in the sense, but like, but it, then it becomes this thing of like, she didn't like, and it's, it's, it's sort of like on one hand, like, yeah, practically you did that and you made it possible for other women to do it. Right. But also like you didn't, and 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 it's it's again like sort of like well who fucking cares, but also she did it's maybe true. have the a Swiss result. bank account there where she funneled poor people's money into or whatever money that could have gone to like actual hospitals and state infrastructure right. So right. exactly that didn't have to like completely gloss up her reputation in the meantime. Yeah. So she um, she did radio dresses. Um, towards supporting the cause of, of um, female s- suffrage and contributed articles encouraging male uh, peronistas to support the suffrage movement. Um, however, at a procedural level in government, she didn't have very much power at all to get such a law passed. Um, symbolically, once the law was actually passed, her husband handed her the freshly signed bill um, in public, making it hers in the eyes of the supporters and the public generally. Uh, she then created the first large female political par- party in Argentina, the Female Peronista Party, <laughs> which had a half a million members and helped to secure a large majority for Juan in the subsequent presidential election. Mm, totally coincidental, yeah. of course. Peronistas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Eva was noted as being the first female Argentine to vote in a presidential election. However, she had to cast that vote from her hospital bed after falling ill. No, what? Oh, no. Are you telling me she's not immortal? She didn't ascend to to goddesshood? What's happening here? Wait, all that money they're funneling, she should be like, she should have great medical care. She should have gotten on those immortality treatments like Peter Thiel or Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, she missed a boat there. Uh, there is no doubt that Eva's efforts were significant um, in bringing previously apolitical women, uh, particularly working women, across the country into politics, um, uh, as well as women from poor communities. Even if there is a pretty blatant angle that the Perones in particular were working um, in doing this, obviously they benefited in terms of getting the support of these people who would be, once they were able to vote, were obviously going to vote for Juan. Um, across both the efforts of the foundation and her support for women's suffrage, the trend really emerges of Eva on her and her husband's behalf, effectively co-opting efforts of radical grassroots organizations in decades prior and bringing them into the fold under the Peronista party to leverage in electioneering at the highest level in the country, which they did on an ongoing basis um, and which her husband continued to do. Absolutely nuts. After Eva was out of the picture. Yeah. So for the 1952 presidential election, Juan actually selected Eva to run as his, as his VP candidate. Um, so yeah, the, uh, a rally was held for the couple as part of their campaign. Um, it was dubbed the Cabildo Abierto, which is a town hall. 
Uh, it wasn't really a town hall. It was just a big rally, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a really big rally. Yeah. But it like it, it had the two million of a town hall, you know, <laughs> with all of the, 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 the good outfits and the, and the female political figures, it just felt different. It was like, a, you, you had to be there, mm-hmm. man. You just had to be there. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> but, but people, that is a heck of a rally. Um, yeah, it's, 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 ever been at. <laughs> it's claimed to be the largest public display of support for a female political figure in history. Now, I'm not sure what something. the other what the other contenders would be for that. Um, I'm sure there are other contenders that are, yeah. you know, close, but that is pretty insane. Yeah. Um, she, million, she eventually yeah. declined the candidacy, the candidacy for VP, um, ultimately out of health concerns. But it was clear to all present from the rally, and particularly to Juan, that Eva commanded as much, if not more, gravitas for Peronism than even... Well, because hadn't Peron he kind himself. of, like, pissed everybody off by this point? Like, by doing all his, like, on Peron shit? So, so he's doing the strongman thing, and then she's kind of, like, you know, smoothing it over with her with her social gestures it's and like, with her populist... It's like when that shitty guy marries a really nice woman and everyone just like lets them come to the parties because like he's going to get drunk and say some really like anti-Semitic shit. But like she's just so she's delightful, delightful and you think you can yeah. like you think she's smoothing him out. But really, she's just like providing him cover to do all the shitty stuff. You sound like you're speaking from experience. No, here, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not from Alberta. <laughs> Moment of introspection on the pod, folks. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, you know, Juan, if he hadn't realized it before, he has realized now that this woman is more popular than he is. Also, she's sick and hotter. Than so he he's is. probably squirming. He's squirming. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, wait, she's sick at this point. Gosh. That was probably a messed up thing to say. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I am gonna get canceled. So she, Sorry, continue. <laughs> um Juan was reelected as president and declared Eva spiritual leader of the nation by the following year. Her popularity and carefully curated public persona disguised her degrading health over the previous couple of years, including events and appearances where she was barely able to stand or was actually propped up by Juan in order to address them. You know what? what? The weekend at Bernie's her? Yeah. You know what is insane about this? Is like what I, what I was like watching that documentary, I was like, they were like, and she was sick and very thin. And I was like, well, she just looks like, like a lot of like famous other actresses do. And then I was like, Oh, Oh, right. Fuck. (laughs) Like Mm. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like, it's funny. It is funny how like, like she was considered like beautiful and like all this and like perfect, like the ideal woman in like 1952. And like, you look at her, like she would never have been put on TV since like 1985, basically. Like it's, it's, it's fascinating how these things like change over time or whatever. Right. Like even Juan is not like, like they, he, they're all these things were like, he was considered handsome at the time, blah, blah, blah. He was right. And he's like, he just looks like a fucking guy. He looks like a guy in like an Advil commercial, you know, like, like it's just, it's, it's funny how like this, like the way we've been like exposed to more and more media has just totally like made yeah. like, it's like, it's like now we look at these people and it's like, Oh, those are uggos. They're not TV ugly. They're not just ugly, ugly. Yeah. Makes you Cut wonder what I don't know about that. 20 years. 
Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, it's, it, it is interesting. It also speaks to just how we are conditioned to scrutinize a female's image. Yes, true. Um, speaks and, to my internalized and not misogyny. Necessarily, and not necessarily to scrutinize, or at least not with the same lens, a male's appearance. Yeah, totally. Right? <clears throat> it's like it's almost Disgusting. beside the point for a male when it should really be beside the point for everyone. Yeah, totally. Well, and especially like, and like that she felt she needed to still do all this like glamour and beauty and put on these outfits and be in public and be present when she was literally dying. (laughs) She knew knew it too. And she knew even before I think she was sick, she knew like she would be fading in the eyes of the public as the years went on. I think she was quoted as saying like, time is my worst enemy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, she yeah. also so declares around this time that um and i think it was in the context of um questioning her about her feminism that she declares that she's not a feminist and that oh, brave uh she doesn't want she feels like a lot of feminism is about women asserting themselves in male spaces to behave like men to behave like males and she said my idea of um, female empowerment is not women just becoming coming into a position where they can act like men um which i think is shorthand for saying just kind of sitting in the same seats of power as men do doing things the same way as men mm-hmm. do but ultimately what i think she's actually saying is that women should know their role um which is a bit disappointing but again i would probably defer to a female to, you know, to yeah. comment further on um, this is, it's you included yeah. that article on feminism in argentina and it's interesting that that is the, like that's sort of like a quiet version of that but like the initial like quote unquote first wave feminists or even like the, the the women who didn't call themselves feminists but are seen now as like the first feminist writers in Argentina all like really stress that shit. It's like sort of that same mm-hmm. rhetoric like the first woman who wrote about like they said one of the biggest first like sort of quote unquote feminist writers was like one of the things she stressed was that sort of like Homer Simpson Marge Simpson dichotomy of like women being these noble sufferers of men's idiocy and that they shouldn't, they shouldn't expect men to be noble, that they should suffer it. That was part of being a woman and, and that was their power. Right. And it's sort of like interesting how that like clearly was like a very, whether or not they all believe that shit, it was like they needed to sort of give those concessions. And yeah. And that was sort of her doing that while also saying like, well, like, I'm a fucking, I'm a bougie bitch. Like, I don't need to like fucking, I'm not going to dress in a suit. Like I want to wear this good, like Dolce drip or whatever. And that's who I am. But it's also her kind of then like cleverly double entendre into like, well, I also don't believe that men and women are really the same. I just believe that like women have their own power, which is not fully false either, but it's like a, an easy way right. of like, like the men who don't, who, who are like, well, I don't want women to be men, but I want them to like be what? cool. Like they can still it's believe that, but also the women can then be like, yeah, I totally can wear my like Gucci and like, and like think poor people are gross while still being a girl boss feminist. Right. Like there's a lot of like ways she sort of like cleverly, like has that like real, like, I also think there's, there's also like a, there were early misconceptions of, of feminism, which still like exists today. And they're especially prevalent in 
uh, machismo countries like like Argentina, like yeah, Venezuela. Totally. So there were yeah. there were yeah. plenty of people that would have thought that a feminist was someone who stands up to men and is thinks that men should be like denigrated or, or, or for whatever reason. So there are people that just think like feminists are people that want to take men down a peg rather than yeah. like lift women up a peg. It was literally up right. until like five years ago that you could, women could call themselves, women weren't even like call themselves feminists in public without getting fucking crucified. So like, it's no surprise that in yeah. like 1952, she's like, yeah, I'm not really a feminist, whether like, she probably believed she wasn't a feminist. She probably didn't want to use that word because of the reputation of it or yes. whatever. Yes, I agree. And that's kind of the the problem with the word, I guess, in a way, is like, what does it mean and what does it mean now? Right. But the problem with words in general. Yeah, words <laughs> complicated. We shouldn't be using them. They only have the meanings we give to them. Yeah. But there is but there is a really obvious parallel in terms of you know, the things that Eva did absolutely had a material impact on the lives of the women in her country to a large extent. Yeah. Uh, The same as her foundations, like philanthropic efforts did have a material impact on the poor and working communities in the country. I mean, it was through this like very torturous and almost depraved uh, kind of machinery that these changes came about yeah. or that these whatever these material um, needs were provided for, but they were still provided for and yeah. that fed to her, fed into her fame and into her infamy or uh, her like mythology, not infamy, but her mythology, I guess her infamy on the opposition side of the political uh-huh. spectrum, which was kind of surrounding her, I guess. Right. But you know, you can't deny that there were real, um, impacts that her presence had on those people's lives and that's part of sure. why she's you know like deified or or made into a saint yeah uh, so within a couple of years of being diagnosed with advanced cervical cancer in 1950 eva died no! she underwent several operations in order to try and treat her illness um, including being the first person in her country to receive chemotherapy treatment Wow, but nothing worked. Yeah. Yeah. It is also alleged that she was given a prefrontal lobotomy. Ah, uh, damn, they were still doing final, lobotomies in the 50s. Yeah. In her final years, in attempting to reduce the anxiety, pain, and agitation from her illness. Uh, however, it has also been suggested that this measure was taken in order to subdue her as she was becoming increasingly erratic and combative um, in her public rhetoric towards political foes. And this measure was taken in the interest of saving Juan's reputation and avoiding political tensions escalating to civil war. So how alleged is so, this? So how like a couple different takes on them. Juan. Um, I mean, you know, uh, listener, you can look into it yourself. Do your own research. Come to your own conclusions. Just I like I did with QAnon. Undecided. Where we go one, we go all, <laughs> yes. folks. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Vindicated. <laughs> Do your own research. Google your own things. See what happens. So, the, but there's kind of this emerging thing of like, you know, Juan recognized how potent of a symbol this woman was, um, and you know, obviously objectifying her as a symbol as opposed to an actual human, <laughs> but that he could continue to win elections. He did. That's exactly what he thought. Side. Yeah. So dragging, mean... dragging her around, sick, and like lobotomized. 
look guys it's not a big deal we lobotomize her i just like love this idea of like you know like listen like we needed to lobotomize her because she was kind of being a bitch like that's basically the reasoning here like she was a bitch to my bros and i can't take it so we just gave her a little lobotomy it's not a big deal it's just a little lobotomy yes cut a little piece of your brain out and you'll be real easy to deal with yeah (laughs) barely miss it yeah yeah. And the, right. the plus is you won't be so worried about that advanced cervical cancer you have. <laughs> right. so she doesn't even thing. think about the cancer anymore. It's great. It's a win-win for all of us. She did. Uh, yeah. She did try to that, murder me that, the other night. I don't think she was conscious while she did it. Still, <laughs> I feel like that was the lobotomy yeah. talking there. <laughs> Definitely not the years of resentment built up. Oh, no. Um. Oh, so her body was preserved, a la. Um, Lenin and Mao <laughs> via now they're really weakened at burning her dope as in, hell embalming and being held in state yeah uh, but there so there was a plan so she was embalmed and there was a plan to keep her body at the base of a monument literally they brought in to... like a guy who was like at the forefront of this shit like oh, they, yeah. they yeah, flew yeah. a guy in to like make sure they said on the documentary and like again I don't again it's hard to tell how much of this is like they're self mythologizing but that he like preserved all her organs and like then like years later they they dug up her body or they pulled her body out of the tomb it was in and everyone was like astonished at how perfect it was right well preserved and like months, that's yeah. probably true because they did release those photos and everything and like and but it's just like anyway sorry continue and then we'll get to this <laughs> so uh yeah so she was, her preserve her embalmed uh body was intended to be kept at the base of a monument to the working people she was widely adored by uh before the statue could be completed um juan was overthrown uh from his presidency in a military coup and fled to exile in spain back to spain back to uh, franco body yeah her body was uh was finally located her body went missing so oh like yeah i remember hearing about good this times, like a search for times. her body it's like where is it it's like, it's like, it, like carmen san diego stole it she's <laughs> like i just had to have yeah. the body of a girl Never boss was. in my collection i just we're fellow girl bosses we just had to do it just <laughs> slipped her under the wild, coat yeah. yeah slipped her under the coat <laughs> ran out of the room now the 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 acme adventurers have to find me <laughs> um so yeah, it was later found in a in a crypt in Milan, Italy, and has since been secured in a tomb in La Recoleta Cemetery in Buenos Aires. So back where she was, back where she kind of felt was her home. Well, and this was the interesting thing is like um, apparently there's like all these people who are like, no, she should have been buried with the poor people because like that's who she belonged to or whatever, which is kind of interesting also in the terms of like, yeah, but she kind of she was rich by the end, and like I guess she did all. Yeah. The, but it's like one of those weird things <laughs> yeah, of like this sort of posthumous sainthood, and like and even the body being preserved, and like you know you think of like Catholic saints mm. and like reliquaries and all this stuff. It's like you see all these weird like like things trickling down and being this whole deal, right? Of like she is a saint, like even before she was declared no. a saint or whatever, they were clearly like you know, building that mythology on broke purpose the Zen caster. in that way for it, you know? So, yeah, I mean, ultimately the legacies of organizations such as uh, Union de Mujeres de la Argentina, which was a socialist feminist organization from the early 1900s, which was actually opposed to Peronism generally, 
and the scores of female activists and leaders such as Elvira Lopez, Julieta Lanteri, Elvira Rawson de, de la Piani, and many more are undermined when attributing much of what was accomplished for workers and women in politics at this time strictly to Eva. But with that said, and as I mentioned earlier, it cannot be denied that she contributed to the material improvements in the lives of countless people in her country. And she definitely continues to be celebrated with saint-like right. worship in her country and even around the world. Um, so while she may have been doing those things for her own reasons, uh, whatever they were, they still happened. Yeah. You know, women still got the vote. Uh, people still got to go to those hospitals and got to live in the city named after her and got the food and the whatever and everything that was ultimately the, the result of her foundation. Um, it just got laundered through her in the meantime, right? Yeah. It just happened to get laundered through her, her reputation, which is a painful way like it's just fucking cringe it's, it's, <laughs> frankly it's, it's cringe like you think and you're doing also something kind of, good it's like instagram influencers right it's like it's like when and uh, like i don't know uh yeah i don't even want to start talking about instagram but like but like it's like on one hand like the the great man theory of history is like so overblown and it's like people are totally affected by their time and place that they live and like you can't and then the past is equally important as like everything else and like nobody exists in this vacuum where they're just this great person, but like so much of like so many like important moments in history where people got like better lives, better rights, better, all this shit was because someone was just being a petty bitch. Like, you know, like I think like, I think of Karl Marx too. Like that guy was so fucking petty. And that was kind of what drove him to even do half of his work was just like, fuck you. I can write a fucking like, like three part book that tells exactly how the capitalist system is fucked and like why capital, the capitalist mode of production will always lead to this like cesspool of like the war of all against all. Cause he was like, like, of course I can fucking do it. Fuck you. I'm not a hack. Like, like, and, and it's the same thing with her. She's like, she was just, she didn't want to, she was like ashamed of being poor to a certain extent. And like, again, like ashamed of all the things that came with it and didn't want to be poor anymore. But also then like recognized that like all these other people living in poverty were like her in a way and they deserved at least some kind of comfort. And at the same time, like, yeah, she fucking killed that foundation and made herself a saint because she was like mad at these rich people basically. And it's like so much of history turns on like people just like refusing, like, fuck you. I'm going to like do this to spite you. Like it's kind of cool and inspiring in a way. The universe runs on in a spite. way. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> like, so in, a way, in a way, Joe, I'm you're like, right, but you're also totally wrong, <laughs> but yeah. But it could also run on the opposite of spite, but that's just not the way that things are. Sure. So this yeah. is the way that things shake yeah. out. Ultimately, it's like, I don't know, how much are you going to hate on someone who has actually delivered all of these results? Yeah, totally. And that, that would be the yeah. biggest shield. That's the same reason why, you know, Bill Personally, Gates and Bill yeah. get to, you know, get to brandish their credentials with all the philanthropy that they do despite being like the biggest parasites on the yeah. planet yeah. and probably yeah, that's a good point too right it's the same kind of template i feel i feel if something got me to the point i wanted to be um i don't yeah even if they were doing it for selfish reasons i don't 
I don't think I'd be as hurt. Obviously, I wouldn't be maybe as motivated to vote for them in the future, knowing their motivations. But I feel like, I feel like, yeah, the, I mean, a change for good is a change for good in the end. For really. sure. And I feel like there is what, what you're, um, I'm hearing echoes in what you're saying, Wes, of like kind of the bargain that we have with our government, right? Like you guys get to be like elite douchebags and have your heads caught up your asses permanently and disconnected from like the real day-to-day world of the rest of the country. And in exchange, like you give us some of the shit that we need to make a stable society continue. And we get to try and like squeeze progress for people that need it out of your shittiness and you're like whack <laughs> right yeah and, and this is the bargain right, like, right. we'll keep I electing select pe- elect people from your class and from your community or whatever and you yeah. keep on trickling down shit to us that we are like for. yeah i mean when you put it like that, that it sounds worse <laughs> well no and it is worse i'm, I'm not trying that's the thing yeah. is i'm trying to like intentionally yeah and make it least flowery as possible. I guess I guess when you know when you know behind the scenes that so much of what they're doing is counter to your benefit and they could be doing so much more to you when that comes to light. Well they did yeah. like they did shitty things too. Look. Like they still like like the things could have been simpler. Like Craig you were saying earlier we talk about the sort of like why does the state need all these other structures to run things for them? Well, because they don't actually want to do anything. They want to, they, they, they just like these people saw an opportunity. Do the bare they, minimum to validate themselves. They exploited it. To justify their yeah. existence. And like these, and, and the hard part is it's like they could have, things could have been a lot better, but they weren't. And like they were, and it's like, that's, that's, but then it's also like, what How was the alternative could they have gotten at this point? Like, yeah. You know, like what would, yeah. who was the alternative to Perone? Who was the alternative to Eva? Nobody. So of course they're going to turn to these people. It's like the same way. Like, it doesn't matter. Like when you're, when your best option is kind of shitty, it's like, well, I kind of need to take this option because that's just the world I'm living in and I want to change it. And, but I need to, I need, you know, like if you've got a boot on your neck, you need, the first thing is like getting the boot off your neck. And then once the boots off your neck, you can you can start figuring out how to do other things. But like as long as that boots yeah. on your neck, you're get, that's like the thing. That's the thing you got to deal with is like, okay, this boot off my neck. Right. If I have yeah. to like kiss this boot to get it off my neck, and then but then now it's like, well, the boot's still hovering over me at any time, and if I don't kiss it every month, it's gonna go on my neck. I'm gonna kiss it every month, and that's distracting me from doing other stuff. But like, it's better than having the boot on my neck. And I'm kind of just, I've, right. I've known what the boot on my neck is like. I don't want to go back to that, you know? So I don't know. And Yeah. I, f- I feel like what you're speaking to is the subtle violence of the state. Yeah. Which is always ever present and looming because, you know, at any moment the boot can go back on your neck. You can fall out of favor with the state that you are beholden to for your whatever whatever you have and then you know and once that once you once too many people fall out of favor with the state that's when serious things historical change occurs one way or the other right um and this is the cycle of history 
And that's why we I should think ban booze. I think, uh, I think if anything, like Eva Perone is a great testament, probably overshadowed by Trump now, is like how much a little fame can go like a long way when, yeah. when people are hungry for change. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That's a really, uh, I mean, a, a different parallel than we, I think we drew earlier of the whole populism thing, but like those two things paired together. Yeah. Um, a, a, you know, a household name or like a familiar face mm-hmm. paired with like saying all the right things to all the right people Yeah, is a very potent combination in politics, right? Yeah. What is, I can't, why can't I think of the country right now where the, there's a guy who played president on T, is it, is it Ukraine? It's not Ukraine. Is it Ukraine? Yeah, the guy that played the president like on TV is now the actual president. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reality is, is I think that's probably a lot more common than we. Yeah, right. And it, well, we had and that, it, and Ronald I think it Reagan stands to become a lot. Yeah, we had Reagan, we had Trump, and like The Rock is probably going to be the president at some point. Yeah. <laughs> it's only it's only going to get more weird from here, guys. Like, yeah, well, exactly. That's like the thing is, like, the Perones were so egregious. They were such like, like, like fuckers, like in the, in every sense of the word, like they were just like this huge, like they were kind of a drama unto themselves. And that's kind of why people liked them at the same time. It was the spectacle spectacle of these people. And like, and like the debate of like, well, yeah, they're bad, but they're all so good. Like you can literally, like you can Mm -hmm. hear the conversations like they (laughs) happen now. It's like people like, and you oh. can be so bad. You can be so bad, but if you're handing out cash to the people, they are gonna love you. Yeah. They are gonna love you, and they are gonna overlook all those atrocious deeds that you're doing. Oh yeah, for sure. If if they're not kind of front and center in their lives, then yeah. the thing that is front and center in their lives, which is the money you just handed them or the whatever, um, is going to go as far as you need it to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a, it, it's a very like kind of like mob protectionist almost like it's very, it seems very like all Goonie I could think was Tony kinda. fucking Soprano. Like, I know that sounds yeah, dumb. Yeah, it's, it's kind a very of Soprano like vibe. That's, everything that's about got, it, yeah. it just feels like the, all the shit that this, that the like fucking the, the, those fucking wise guys pull with like, like all their like, like union. I'm just a guy who works for other mm-hmm. guys. Like, like there's this, there is like a weird like honor to it and a weird almost like, yeah, like Tony Soprano is still better than like an FBI agent in a sense, or like the right. FBI themselves. But like he's also like like beating the shit out of women, or like you know like screwing over, like like beating up a mob of, of or like a beating up a, a peaceful protest of black people who just want just want to get jobs. Like th- like that's all there, and it's like you see the same shit here. It's like what's the difference practically in a way between you know, like Perone and like fucking like Johnny, what's his name, you know, like, or like Tim, Jimmy Hoffa for fuck's sake. Like what's the difference between those two guys really other than scale well, and scope from, from person to person. The difference is what each of those people gets from them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What the, what the appeal is. And I mean, especially in a society where we're, where we cultivate our individuality so carefully and you know fastidiously what am i getting from it yeah is ultimately what it comes down to (laughs) so it doesn't matter if if this candidate wants to burn the world around me but keep my keep me intact yeah i'll vote for that yeah 
you know <laughs> than the one who wants to burn everything around him and in, including me yeah right, right? or the one or who just like doesn't give a fuck babies. about me like at least this guy like right. this guy may exactly. be like telling me i'm like i i i'm like a coward and i eat it up and i only love him because like there's nobody else but like at least he's saying at least he's telling the truth the other guy wants to tell me that like i mattered to him until it comes to election time and then he doesn't ever tell me anything you know like it's yeah. it's knowledge me yeah yeah um so in conclusion evita lives on in the mind of of argentines and people around the world she has museums plays films money as in like currency um with her face on it a city mm. ciudad Vita, um Whoa. in argentina named after her numerous honors from her country and from several foreign nations um and at one point there was a spanish football tournament copa iba duarte in her name uh so she has a lot she won, man. Like stuff. she fucking won, you know, like, like there's lots of people who had way more power than her that didn't have shit named after them, you know? So totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one went nice, yeah. on to marry a third wife. No. Nah. Who um, helped him to win a subsequent. I mean, he went through a whole other thing as well subsequently, but um, had her elected VP alongside him. And I'm not, I didn't, I didn't look into whether or not he basically like found an Evita clone <laughs> or what. Well, he died um, in office respect, and she obviously. served as like the, the first president, right. uh, like female president and, and got, and then got kicked out. Yeah. Taken out. Yeah, yeah totally. But, yeah. but, you know, so he was kind of following the same template. I have trouble believing that he would have strayed too far from the, you know, the winning formula. <laughs> Listen, I'm older and <laughs> wiser. I don't want a clone of yeah. myself. I want a clone of myself that's the same age as me. But she's got to be hot. That was the story. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) like me. Yeah. Like me. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, gents, uh, for bearing with me through that. No, that was great. We didn't just say anything. It was. I had, yeah, I had only known uh, basically what I've gleaned from from Evita. And I think that was a bit of a skewed perspective in hindsight. You did see the film? (laughs) Uh, a long time ago, and honestly, I don't remember it all right now. But um, is it like a lot of musical numbers? More... It's like no, a full-on I mean, Rice, one. Howard Ashman musical. Is it? Yeah, no, it's it's. Um, is it? Tim Rice wrote it. Yeah, it was based on the. I didn't Weber, think it was like a full musical. Was it Andrew Lloyd Webber? Oh, I thought it was. Well, he must oh. have. Maybe he wrote it with Rice. Um, yeah, but no, it's like a full-on. I remember musical. it didn't seem like quite a full-on musical, but I guess there were there was definitely. Well, a the, few the movie there, they yeah. may have cut some of the songs. I'm not sure, but yeah. Okay. Um, we should yeah. watch it. We'll watch it for a bonus episode, maybe. If you guys, yeah. Hey, speaking of bonus episodes, we're wondering if uh, you guys want us to make a Patreon so we can bring you bonus content in exchange for cash money. Um, let us know shout us out send us an email secondbananaspod at gmail.com you can follow us at to the number two bananas pod on twitter and instagram and uh you know just let us know give us some reviews on itunes all that stuff you know we gotta extract that value from you as a listener as much as you need to extract the enjoyment from us that we create this thing so you know scratch our back and we'll scratch yours it's greatly appreciated. Yeah. And uh, we will see yeah. you next time on Second Bananas. Thanks, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.